What's up, bikers? I'm Robert, and this is the Biker Bar Podcast live stream. You know, the other day, one of my Patreons wrote me a letter, and uh, maybe it wasn't even a pa- There was somebody wrote me a letter that was regarding the channel, and they started it out that way, like, what's up, biker? Welcome to the podcast. And then they said, it never gets old. And I realized I always say that. So now, every time I start the show... Because of him, I'm thinking, oh, I can't say it never gets old. I have to come up with something else to say. So here we are. Now you got a little explanation of that. Anyways, episode 114. We got James the Bike Guy. If you haven't heard of his channel, go check him out on YouTube real quick. You can hit the link and show more, or you can just listen to this episode and find all about it, right? Anyways, while you're you're out there surfing around the interwebs looking for something to do, swing by my Instagram and give me a follow. Or my Facebook, if you're over 40, or you're 17 and you have no friends except for your parents. I don't know. Anyways, that would be great. I would appreciate it if you follow this channel and you listen to these these friggin' podcasts. Do me a favor, just hit subscribe. And if you're not a like a YouTube person, then write a review. I mean, but if it's not a five star review, probably not worth your time. Anyways, I haven't gone on there to check. Last week, I was telling you guys, one of you guys could be the one that wrote the review in February, and I wouldn't even, like, th- that would be that would be very exciting for me, and I haven't gone to check, so if you, if nobody did it last week, somebody could do it this week, and you would be the one that wrote the, write the review. Make me, make me feel like this 30 seconds of me making you guys hit skip on your podcast app, make it, make it worth it, so <laughs> you know you do it. I do the same thing with Rogan. Get rid of all the ads at the beginning. But this is, this is the thing. Seriously, support the channel. It helps a lot. It really does. It helps my motivation to see that stuff. And um, if you really want to help me even more than my motivation, you can help me out on Patreon. Just swing by there. And uh, there's a couple different little tiers. You can pick your own tier, though, too. It doesn't really matter. But this is the deal. Every time I've talked to people about sponsoring my channels, I I... I, I'm initially I'm like, man, that would be great to be like getting some good money out of this thing and like, wow, all this time I put into it. However, I like immediately start backing out of it because I really don't want to be stuck to any like sponsors and sounding like that sponsor guy. So I'd rather sound like that sponsor guy that's bugging you guys to come to Patreon and sponsor me there because it actually makes me feel better about like what I'm providing is if I'm actually sponsored by you guys. And I feel like I've heard other YouTubers and I've seen other YouTubers like say that at the beginning of their career and maybe later it didn't follow out, like follow through that way. I can totally understand why they would. I'm not saying that they're wrong. I'm just saying that maybe right now I'm in that phase where I would like to be supported by you guys. Someday, if I have 150,000 subscribers, maybe I'll change my my tune and we can talk about that then. But until then, do me some do, do me do me a solid. Swing by by Patreon. Do me a favor and throw me a buck, throw me five, throw me whatever you feel like, whatever you feel like is appropriate. That would be great for me. Anyways, let's go ahead and bring James back on the show. I'm going to get him here. Here he is. Oh, I just removed him. There he is. Now I'm putting him back. <laughs> How's it going, man? It's going well. Thank you. <laughs> Dude, you would think by now I actually would know what I'm doing up here, but apparently not. <laughs> well, you know, it's a new yeah. day every day. Dude, 114 episodes, and you still don't know what you're doing. I'm sure you, you do the same thing with your YouTube channel, right? Absolutely. I, I can say with entire confidence, I still don't know what videos will do well and which ones are just going to straight up not even work out. 
Um, oh yeah, no, I hear you. I, I learning constantly. I a hundred percent of the time when I think I'm gonna like I've knocked this one out of the park, more than likely that means it's gonna flop. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, at, at least on my side, it, it usually has to do with how much effort level I put in. The, yeah. the greater amount of blood, sweat, and tears, the worse it'll perform. Yeah. But if yeah, I happen yeah. to just do something quick and throw it up, it magically works out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's just the way it goes. I know whenever I've been talking to uh, the Colorado kid lately, he's mm -hmm. been saying that about why he enjoys doing like the Instagram reels and stuff lately. Because he's like, man, I put like 20 minutes of work into this and I get 300,000 views. You know, it's like, wow. Right. You know? And he's like, I could put 14 hours into an edit and I get 927 views. You know, it's like, sure. what the hell? Yeah, that that feeling of reward and feeling like uh, somebody values your work is totally different there, I bet. Yeah. You know, sometimes I wonder if the channel that I'm doing right now is just like a training ground for hmm. what's going to happen in the future. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, do you ever watch, uh, I'm trying to get this, there's yeah, you guys totally are me trying to get that camera go. to focus again. <laughs> looks like those you guys are listening, too. you get to hear nothing. So what was that? <laughs> I said it looks like a DUI test too. Right? Yeah. yeah. For your nose there. Yeah. Those of you guys that are listening, basically, I'm putting my my finger right in front of the camera lens and slowly pulling it back to my face because sometimes the autofocus on these cameras just go a little wonky, and then it just looks like you're, I don't know, smoked a bunch of weed or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, like, I, I don't know if you ever get that feeling. Like, like I I feel like I've learned a lot about YouTube in the shoot it's i think i started in 2017 so i don't even know how to do math but that's a long time sounds that's like five years almost five years i think yeah <laughs> that's ridiculous amount of time compared to how quick i thought i was going to be quitting my job according to bkxe so yeah. i really only needed five thousand subscribers a gopro and a gimbal and that was it but um if it makes you feel any better i i started the james the bike guy channel in 2014 yeah, so, I saw uh, that on your. Uh, what, is, what is that? That's eight years. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which is a is a long time. Although, uh, fun funny enough, I had a YouTube channel before that that I spent a lot of time on in college, that I so, let die, and uh, and then I started this one. Yeah. So was that? Is that? I don't know if you you know it, but I know I've written my about me a long time ago. But you have two other YouTube channels that you wrote on there. Yeah, so, so I've got two others that I actively post on. Uh, uh -huh. The the college one is is still around, but uh, but basically dead. Yeah. And uh, a a couple other failed YouTube channels that I tried to start as well. But like, what I, do you think? Do you think that was just like it was fun for the time, and you changed your mind, or you think it was like you learned a little bit, and you were like, oh, I'm going to try this other thing, or what? What do you think it was? Uh, I, I can tell you with a certainty it had to do with when Google changed their 10,000 hours and a thousand subscribers requirement for mm -hmm. AdSense. So uh -huh. uh, the, the, the one in college was, um, you know, b basically car stuff uh, along with bikes. I've always really been into, into cars up mm -hmm. until I became a homeowner and no longer had uh, funding for cars because you pay for a house instead. Right, right. But uh, but up until that point, always had you know modified cars and and of course cool bikes to go along with it. Mm -hmm. But um, you know so that that started to slow down, and so 
I had a bunch of these little YouTube channels that would put in two or three bucks a month. And that was kind of like the dopamine shot of, of feeling yeah. like you're getting something and, you know, it's not really about money, but you know, it's kind of that fun. And every yeah. once in a while you'd hit that hundred dollar threshold from, uh, from Google AdSense and get over that, get that check sure. in the mail way, way back in the day. Because back then you could get, you would be like monetized like right away. There was like. Yeah, right, right away. I mean, uh, like I think that channel was probably 2007, 2008 that I started doing that. And so mm -hmm. if you if you think back then, I mean, uh, literally you got a paper check mailed to your house when you'd get over $100 on nice. Google AdSense. Um, but, but so I, you know, I had a channel that was just like dash cam video and just stupid stuff yeah, that yeah. would contribute so little. And when uh, when Google changed their uh, or YouTube rather changed their stuff to be ten thousand hours of watch time and a thousand mm -hmm. subscribers, at that point in time, I only had three channels that were close to eligible. One uh, that was automatically eligible, which was James the Bike Guy, the one that that is certainly uh, what I put the most work into. And right. then uh, you know I've, I've got a channel that's been rebranded a hundred times and it's still not right called Millennial Review which is uh -huh. basically trash videos on stuff that you end up buying to, you know, take care of the house or put on yeah, some windshield yeah. wiper blades, might as well make a video of that. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I've got uh, Junior's Gasoline Alley, which is essentially my channel for car stuff. Uh, I took some of the good car stuff from that previous channel, put it on there, mm -hmm. but it's where I do, you know, uh, you know, work on friends' cars or stuff like that, or, you know, remote control cars, which are, a great hobby as uh, as you get a little older. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting how that evolution happens, you know. I think <laughs> with this channel, I'm pretty sure when I first started this channel, you could just turn on monetization. And I think it, what, it 2016, 2017, somewhere around there, I think is when it changed. But you're right, for a yeah. long time it would just turn on. Yeah, or you you just had to make the uh, the decision. Like it was right. like you started your own channel, and it was like, do I want no ads or do I want ads and maybe make money? You, right. you know what I mean? Like that was kind of like the thing. And I'm pretty sure when I first started this, I I might have like had monetization on at the time because I originally like biker.com was something else before biker what it is right now. Oh, cool. And I'm pretty sure I, I think I started that in like 2011 or something like that. Hmm. And then, um, then I, I want to say when they changed that stuff, it was after I was doing biker, like what it is now. And right. at the point that they changed it, I kind of like what you were saying, I just automatically would have qualified. So it yeah. was like, oh, okay, whatever. You know what I mean? Right, right. But uh, yeah, I remember a bunch of friends, like I remember No Front Breaks, his channel was under the, the, the threshold at the time. And I remember him being like, man, I'm not going to like be able to be monetized. And it was funny, like how much of a big deal it was to a lot of us that we're still really only making like $5 a month. You know yeah, I mean? Well, exactly. But, but I, I think it's like validation of your yeah. work, right? Yeah. You, you know, it's, it's about being able to say that you got monetized right, right, right. <laughs> more than it is anything else. Yeah. I remember when I first started, my channel or like when I really first started like working this channel, you know, and I remember telling people like, imagine working a 40 hour a week job for like nine months and then getting a hundred dollars and being stoked about it. 
<laughs> that's what my you know what i mean and like people don't really put that into perspective you know it's not like nine months of like 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 oh this is just fun you know what i mean like it, it is fun but it's like there's a serious amount serious amount of of time that you put into this you know right whether it's like the filming or the editing or man i i knew zero about editing video when i started my channel yeah i mean that alone is like people go to college for four years to learn how to do that you know yeah, it's you true. know right. so it, it's definitely um it's a lot of effort and 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 i think that there's a lot of us that are still you know it's like it's not like most of us youtubers are not like quitting our jobs no. because like the amount of money that you make on YouTube versus what you're making at your real job is like, it's not the same, you know? And, uh, right. And I think that a lot of people just assume like, Hey, they put out videos every week and their videos are sick. And they're like always telling us to follow, like pay for Patreon or click this link. They must be making that of money, you know? And it's like, no, dude. <laughs> no, I, I can say with certainty, there's a long runway before I don't have a nine to five. Yeah, yeah, you and <laughs> That's me both. For sure. Yeah, a long runway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it would have been a lot better for me to get into when I was like seventeen, you know, because then the runway would be shorter. It'd be like, man, I only need to make more than five bucks an hour. And it's like, <laughs> well, I, you know, I kick myself a little bit because uh, I've pretty much always been into videoing stuff um, to varying degrees of usefulness, but. Uh -huh. Like I, I have hard drives that go back each year uh, uh -huh. that are just filled with things that I've, I've recorded. And so right. like, you know, I, I have stuff back from high school where you'd put together, like if you went a trip to Six Flags, I right. would video all of my friends doing that. And, and that would be called a, a vlog, but yeah. I never thought to use any of it. You know, yeah. you'd put it together for a laugh the next time you got together and, and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, I, I got to imagine uh, some some of these people that are getting into it when they're 14 or 15, you know, what what kind of opportunity do they have if they really realize the opportunity? Right. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, Mr. Beast is exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, well, that guy's absolutely brilliant. I don't know if you've watched any of his interviews or things like that. It's yeah. But if like, like like he started YouTube when he was like 11 or something like that, right? like doing and, like and the funny thing is like all those videos are still on his channel so you can go back to whenever he was that age and he's just like sitting in front of his computer playing minecraft or like making fart jokes or whatever 11 year olds do and yep. but he's exactly what you're explaining like he was learning it and learning it and learning it and then now he's making a you know 4.5 million dollar video for one week you know right <laughs> like, and you know, that that part's pretty incredible that like he kept staying at it because I I, yeah. I forget exactly what what his time frame was. But I want to say it was something like, you know, nine years or something before he got to the yeah. million subscriber mark or something. Yeah. And like to, to think, uh, you know, a, a young adult saying, I'm just going to keep doing this. Yeah. And, you know, pouring the money that he made back into it and all that stuff. It, it's a pretty cool story. I mean, yeah. It's yeah. No, it's really neat what people can do with you know basically no training you can just yeah. show up and do it yeah i think he also would like like people would ask him like you know what do you want to be when you grow up and he's like, i'm gonna be a youtuber 
Yeah, he'd be like, right. no, where are you going to college? He's like, I'm not going to college. I'm going to be a YouTuber. Like that was right. like, no matter what, everybody's like, no, seriously, man. Like you can't stay in your mom's basement forever, you know? And <laughs> right. uh, so it's really interesting to see how, I mean, I don't know. It's one of those things where I feel like if you're like, if you're determined for something and you actually, I mean, you still have to be like, have some kind of talent, right? Sure. But like, I feel like if you put enough work into almost anything, you, you'll be successful. It's just like whether or not you're willing to like wait how long it takes for you to either get better or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, you know, I, I just finished reading a book. I'm, I'm blanking on the name, but it, it had a whole section about just that consistency is one of the major determiners of success, right? Yeah. So if you, if you just keep doing and you keep yeah. learning, eventually you'll get good at whatever you're doing or what, what, uh, uh, I think it's a 10,000 hour rule. There's some rule that if you do something, uh, for enough hours or 3000 hours, whatever it is, you know, eventually you become proficient at whatever that task is. Yeah. And so people quit, you know, a 10th of the way in or halfway through and, and never quite get there. But yeah, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that just, know this is what they want and and go for it which is amazing yeah i have a uh a, a fortune cookie fortune on my desk right now that i think i talked about this a couple episodes ago and it's it basically says like people who quit never knew how close they were to succeeding yeah well that's true you know and uh it every once in a while you'll get one of those like most of the time they're like hokey bullshit, you know but every once in a while it'll be <laughs> right. Something that just like speaks to you and obviously you know because what i'm doing like that that kind of really spoke to me because Sometimes, you know, I want, I want to just pack it up. I'm like, this is bullshit, man. Like, why am I spending so much of my time doing this? You know? Well, what, what got you to start doing YouTube? So you said your, your website was something different before. What what happened there? Yeah. You know, I think when I first, well, first of all, like I've, I've, I've said this, we'll, we'll make this a two-way interview, right? All right. (laughs) Yeah. No, like originally, um, I had a lot of friends that used to tell me to do YouTube all the time because they were like, dude, you're fucking funny. Like you, you mm-hmm. got a great personality. You, you're great at YouTube. And I'd be like, yeah, whatever, dude. YouTube's for cat videos, man. I don't do cat videos. Sure. And you know, like when you were starting your channel, you're like, hey, I'm gonna do bikes in 2014. Nobody was doing that, right? Right. Yeah. You know? yeah. So it was like fail videos and cat videos in 2014. You were definitely a yeah. groundbreaker. You know? <laughs> sure. So, um, I had started this, there there was a guy that like did like a a forum and like trail explanations locally here. Okay. And um, his site kind of got outdated and he got out of mountain biking. So he wasn't updating it anymore. Yeah. And I was like, I like usually with most things in my life that I start, it's because I see somebody doing something and I feel like I can do better at it, you know? And that was the, the, when I started biker, what was biker, just biker.com. And I was like, I can build the same site as him, but like me, like, I feel like I can make some better content and like rewrite these trails. Like some of the trail explanations that he have, they're like 10 years old. Like it's not the same trail anymore, you know? Sure. And I was like, uh, and I had experience, like I had been running forums in the past because I was a gamer and stuff like that. So I knew how to like kind of build a community that way. And I was, and so I was kind of thinking about different things. I was like, oh, I could do some local stuff and, you know, get some ratings for the local bike shops and maybe put together a like a monthly like 
pub crawl bike thing because there's some other cities that do that and there's nothing like that going on around here so i started all this and i'm like got way into it and right about when i was writing some of the reviews of the 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 trails the gopro i don't know if it was the two or the three it was it was one of them that came out that like you really started seeing people like riding bikes with them more you know okay yeah and i and it wasn't like they had like I think it was like the, two, I think it was the two actually, you know, it was pretty early in the GoPros. Yeah. And I remember thinking, you know, I could take a video of the trail as well as whatever I'm writing and um, have the pictures. Cause I was, I was really planning on like kind of mimicking the guy, like write some paragraphs. Here's a picture of this intersection. Here's a picture of this feature. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, so I got the, the, the GoPro and what it really did was it paralyzed my progress on my website because my my personality is to like try to make some you know 10,000 hours worth of of of, of experience video mm-hmm. on my first hour so yeah. i just like like ended up having like a terabyte of video and zero of it edited you right. know and it was like, oh, I'm going to learn how to use that program. And it was just because I wanted to like make it so good. Everything that I was editing, I would be like, go back and restart it. Or I would learn right. something else and go back and restart it. And over and over. And it just, it, it got nowhere. And it wasn't until several years later when BKXE, and that's why I was making the joke when we started actually, mm-hmm. like was talking about, you know, just go out and do it. Like that's the step you have to right. take is you actually have to do it. And one of the things with that original site was at that time, the only thing I was going to use YouTube for was to host my video. So it was like everything that I had made was set unlisted and it was just going like in the web pages of my website. I never thought about it the opposite way around. And when BKXE started, he actually made me like think about like the website being the like the side gig to the YouTube channel instead of the YouTube channel being the side gig to the website, you know? Right. And um, probably seems obvious now, I would guess. Yeah, no, totally obvious. (laughs) You know, it's so obvious. And, and the funny thing is, is like, honestly, if around that time, I mean, if I would have started doing those videos and kind of just stuck with it and regardless of what, what my editing abilities were, I would have been a couple years in front of like Seth, for example, you know, right. and, yeah. and I could have had, who knows, you know, you know what I mean? And, and that's one of those things where that I I'm pretty sure it was Jordan Boostmaster, one of his videos along with me watching Brian, but I'm pretty sure it was Jordan Boostmaster that said like the number one thing to starting a YouTube channel is actually just starting and I'm like sure. just posting, post something. It doesn't matter what it is. Cause as soon as you do, it'll give you a drive to keep going. And I think that's the best advice that I can give to anybody actually like thinking about doing anything with their life. Like just start, you know what I mean? Like if you want to be a house builder, go build one, you know what I mean? Or buy a fucking hammer, you know what I mean? Like whatever it is that you need to do to start, like just start. Right. So many of us get like stuck on it, you know? Sure. Yeah. The perfection paralysis kind of thing. Yeah, that's a big one for me, man. It really is. I really I don't know about you, but I really appreciate the fact that when I post a video, I can't change it. Yeah, that's that's true. Although I get frustrated with the comments when people tell me, 
that I got, you know, a title card wrong or I said something wrong and they're yeah. like, you just need to go back and fix it. It's like, yeah. I don't think you understand it doesn't work that way, <laughs> to, yeah. to go back and fix. It means this goes away. Yeah. Yeah. You what's, lose what's everything. Done is done. Yeah. I'll heart your comment and understand to do better next time. Yeah. It's what it is. Yeah. No, it, <laughs> it, it sucks when that happens too, man. There's like, I, I think the first, um, product that I got for free on my channel was, uh, uh, what is that damn thing called? I use it all the time still to this day, the brush hero. It's like you can use it to wash your bike. It's like a, a spinny brush that hooks oh, up right. your, that, your uh, attaches to the hose, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. And I like <laughs> did something stupid like what you said, like typoed something in the, and it was like, I put it up and the video was doing well compared to some of my other videos. So of course I wasn't going to take it down to like right. change that thing. But you're like, really? This is like your first opportunity. Like, hey, you got something for free, you know, and like, and you screwed it up. I, I feel feel a similar way. So so not not too recently. I think a week or two ago, I, I put up this video about a uh, a Fuji Auric uh, full suspension uh, enduro bike, mm -hmm. which which to me felt pretty reasonably priced. It was kind of a cool bike. Yeah. You know, I I'm uh, starting to learn about Fuji. It's it's not the kind of bike that you know. It's not the Trekker specialized mm -hmm. that everyone knows about, but they make some cool stuff. Right. And so anyways, I, I did this video and, and just before doing the video, um, I dropped, you know, I, I just use a cell phone for 85% of my videos. Mm -hmm. And so I dropped the cell phone with the USB-C uh, microphone plugged into it uh -huh. and didn't realize when it, when it came down, it hit uh, the port. I, I did see that it got bent, but it seemed like the microphone worked. Well, anyways, right. long story longer, I, you know, I did the video, got home, went to, went to go edit it and it cuts out every once in a while. Uh -huh. Um, and right now I'm in, I'm in the middle of, of winter. We've had snow on the ground for a couple months, uh, now. And so s some of my opportunities to video stuff, uh, equates to 10 to 20 degree weather outside right. to go get it done. And it's like, well, I'm not going to go do that one again. Uh, it seems right. pretty okay. So I'll just put it up yeah. and, uh, you know, put a comment that says, Hey, I apologize. This sucks, but deal with it. Yeah. Wanted to bring it to you. Yeah. And lo and behold, it's a one out of 10. And now it's at like 60,000 views. And it's like, <laughs> if, if, if I knew people actually cared about that, I right. might've gone and redone it, but I was expecting right. that to be a 3000 view video yeah. of just my core audience. That's like, all right. Yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll yeah. forgive James for being an idiot and putting this up. Right, right. And, and lo and behold, this might be the first time somebody's seen my channel yeah. is uh, by somebody who can't use a microphone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of how I feel about this podcast, man. When I started, I had this mic that I bought that like I felt like it was a good mic because it yeah. looked cool, but sure. it wasn't. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like it might have been a cool mic if you were like a gamer or something like that. Yeah. But it definitely wasn't like a quality mic. And um, sure, I kept thinking it was like some setting, you know, mm -hmm. so it'd be like, do the show. And then I would listen to it afterwards. I'd be like, oh, my God, it sounds like crap. And I'd be like, oh, I just need a, a pop filter. So then I would buy a pop filter and then like do the well, show. Nope, still sounds like crap. And like you think I would test it. But no, my test was like, go live. This is going to be perfect. I, you know, I and, think it was 2019 is when I bought my first microphone to plug into uh -huh. anything, or well, well, at least for my normal videos to plug into anything. 
because yeah. I had a, a Trek video that just blew up to like a hundred thousand views that all you could hear in it was just wind noise. Yeah. And I got enough comments of people saying, uh, Hey, they make technology that can fix this. And I was <laughs> like, well, maybe I'll try. And I yeah, plugged right. that in. It's like, well, actually this is a lot better to listen to. Right. You know, yeah. Maybe people are into something here. Yeah. yeah. I always wonder though, like how much does it really matter? I, I joke a lot of times with the other creators that I know that yep. the only people that pay attention to like color grading and like background lighting and audio is really just other creators. Yeah, well, well, I think some of that's true. It, in in my opinion, at least, yeah. I think the the first thing that comes is at least having something interesting to put into your video, right. either an item or a story, whatever it has right. to be, has to be something somebody might want to watch and then you need good audio because if yeah. you have bad audio it's it's just simply unwatchable and then right. after that i mean you can get fancy with uh with video but i mean for for so many things you can convey the information that you need by by voice and somebody can follow along and they'll forgive a lot of mistakes with the camera yeah uh, or, or at least in my case that's been true yeah 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 no i think you're on something there for sure man i totally agree so and you know, I, I, I've spent so much time and money, unfortunately, buying nice equipment. And I've constantly found that going back to simple stuff gets the video done and gets it done well enough. Yeah. Uh, but like I, I spent a summer using a DSLR and a big old gimbal and a separate voice recorder and all this stuff. Uh -huh. And uh, it, it made it both way more challenging to go video the you know, whatever bike or whatever thing mm -hmm. I was going to do because you had all this setup time. And right. then when you'd get back, you'd get it edited. It looked real pretty, but it made no difference in retention time. Yeah. And so, you know, if, if we're not making any difference in retention time, which is the thing, at, at least in my mind, that matters the most. I mean, if, yeah. if somebody's staying for 10% of my video versus 50% of my video, that that's a big difference on how well I feel about it. Yeah, so yeah. Why chase after something that doesn't make somebody stay? Yeah. Um, especially if it makes my life harder. It makes yeah. no sense at all. Yeah, I'm definitely in like a spot right now with my edits that's somewhere yep. along. Like I feel like I need to reevaluate that. You know? I um I I've been I feel like I like my my videos that I'm making now. More. I, I like your one minute videos yeah. a little better. <laughs> yeah, I like them a lot. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're and, and they're I bet short. you they don't take you that long. I mean, no. I'm sure you put effort into it, but yeah. nothing like some of the other ones you've done. Oh, no, not at all, dude. Yeah. Like I can go record like 10 of those in my garage in 20 minutes. Yeah, and right. it probably only takes me maybe 15 minutes of video to edit them, you know, because right. they're I mean, it's literally 90 seconds. It's starting and stopping. Right. So yeah. like, like there's not really like you just make a couple of, of cuts so that you change the focus point. So it looks like it's like, you sure. know, a little bit more visually stimulating. But other than that, I mean, that's all it is. Right. Those videos don't do a lot of views, but man, they just like they they just kind of sit back there and churn, you know. Well, that yeah. that would be the momentum. I mean, if if you're able to produce three X the output with something like that compared to a full video. Yeah. Your catalog just gets bigger and you know that yeah. that snowball just grows and grows and grows. 
Yeah, um, it's interesting though because if if I look at I was talking about this just the other day with one of the guys on our uh, YouTube Slack channel. Yeah, and he was showing me like stats from his channel that had forty eight hours, and I was like, you yeah. know, I I'm not a I don't look at my stats very often because every, every time I do, they end up like. Like I just like start thinking that I'm like looking into a crystal ball and I know what the hell's going on. And then like three weeks later, realize I actually didn't know a clue. Yeah, I don't have a clue. Right? right. So then I'm like, this is a waste of my time. Don't get sucked into the rabbit hole, you know? Right. And uh, so anyways, he put it, he had, had his 48 hours and I put up mine and he's like, look, dude, like almost three quarters of those are um, 90 second reviews. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, that's a good point. But if I change it to 28 days, the number drops to like 30% of them are 90, 90 second reviews. Right. But I would guess that has to do with your catalog that you have, uh, you know, before them. Yeah. You know, you've got yeah. a, a lot more soldiers marching from two years ago than you do 90 second reviews today. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I think, I mean, just even like I would say the 90 second review with the most views right now is at most like 2000 views. Yeah. So they're, they're not super like, they're not killing it. Whereas like I have like fairly recent videos that have, you know, closer to 20 K, you sure. know? So I think the way that I just ha like have to like accept those is that they're just slow turners. Because those are like product reviews that are super specific. Like most people don't open up YouTube and be like, oh, I want to watch a video about a brake lead kit unless Seth does it, you know? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so like they, but if they go online and they type, hey, I want a brake lead kit and they see a great thumbnail and a short video, at least that's what I look for when I'm looking for a review. Like right. a decent thumbnail and a really low time. Because I don't want to listen to you talk about freaking subscribe and follow and all the shit that I say on my channel all the time. Sure. Right. <laughs> the, the stuff we're all guilty of saying. Yeah, yeah. We don't yeah, want to hear either. You want to be successful, right? <laughs> yeah, but, sure. Uh, but yeah, and and so I think I just have to accept that's what that what's happening with those. And so far, I feel like I have because um, I like kind of like dragging my feet on my longer videos. They take forever for me to edit. Sometimes I get like, just not motivated to edit them. But I, what I what was starting this conversation is I really enjoy that content when I finish it. Like I feel proud of it, you know? And then they do well too, because they're freaking good videos, you know? Yeah. But those 90 second reviews, they're just fun and bam. And then I can drop them two or three times a week. And it's still putting content out on the channel. And I'm, I, I enjoy watching them or making them. So that's what's happening now. So, yeah, make, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, what when you started your channel? What, how did you start yours? The, yeah, the, so the bike guy one. yeah, the so James the bike guy pretty much came around from uh, at at the time I was working on on the sales floor at uh, at Landry's Bicycles, and um, essentially I had a whole bunch of you know people and customers that were always curious about what things weigh. And yeah. back then I would take pictures of stuff and I'd put them into a folder because I would bring this little green scale with me to work. And, you know, I'd weigh stuff if we were doing a custom build or I special ordered something that I've never uh -huh. seen before, you know, 
uh, a lot of times my first opportunity to see stuff was because uh, I helped somebody else get excited about it so yeah. that they could buy it and bring it in for me, right, um, which right, was right. always fantastic, which, which, you know, is a, is a great way to make both make people excited and get your, your geek out. Right. Right. Uh, right. It's, it's nice when other people can do that for you. And right. so they'd come in and they, they'd weigh it. And I did not have a good tool to share that with somebody else who wanted to know what something weighed. Right. Uh, I mean, if you go back then, that was kind of the height of the like bike weight weenie time. Yeah. And, and the time we live in today is about like supple and comfortable and having yeah. way more suspension than you need. So it's a totally different time today in the bike world. Right. But so back then that would happen. And I was like, you know, what would be easier is I could just use YouTube and take a quick video of it with my phone, put uh -huh. it on YouTube. I could title it. And then right. I'd have this like catalog I could just look at later on or search for it on YouTube and then send it to somebody yeah. or yeah, yeah. show them, you know, this I nine hub that came in that I put on a scale and, right. you know, hear the, the sound or hear the, uh, the weight. Right. And so as I did that, the, these were super crude, but they would occasionally get views. And then people would put things like, Oh, I wish you told me something about it. This is a stupid video. And so I'd be like, well, they're not wrong. Maybe yeah. I should say something about it. Yeah. You're and like, so, this video is actually just for me. So, <laughs> like, yeah. well, but, but hey, I mean, if, if it's helping somebody else, great. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, then they went to me doing like five seconds of this thing's made out of this material or it's got yeah. this whiz bang feature, drop right. it on a scale. Right. And then somebody would be like, oh, I wish you told me about how this thing was done with it. It's like, well, yeah. I could do that too. And then now it went from 10 seconds to videos became a minute to yeah. a minute and a half to three minutes as I was adding content. Right. And then uh, we got in this, uh, this specialized stump jumper in 2019, I think it was, when, whenever they went to their uh, sidearm design, the whole, yeah. you know, this big push that they did on marketing. Yeah. And, and yeah. one of them showed up a couple of days before it was allowed to be shown to anyone. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, if I just take that to the back parking lot and I check out this cool thing and I put it out the same day that everyone's allowed to see this stuff, maybe people would like to know what the thing weighs. And that video did astronomically better than anything I had ever done before. And I was like, huh, well, apparently people would like to see bicycles instead of what a front derailleur weighs. Right. Um, and you know, it's just kind of changed a little bit through there, but mo mostly just been like, how do you convey a little bit of information, take whatever the, uh, kind of like the, uh, the spec sheet might be and just create a, uh, a visual version of that and show mm -hmm. what some of those words on a spec sheet means to somebody yeah. and put it out there. Yeah. I was and, watching, you have your, um, kind of your channel intro video set as like a hub explanation that you did oh yeah that's forever old i think yeah yeah, yeah. no but it's good <laughs> content though you know i think that's one of those things that um most of us that have been doing mountain or let's just say bike youtube for a while yeah we forget that there's like people that don't know how this stuff works sure you, you know yeah. what i mean and they're actually looking for that kind of that kind of content you know and right. If you ask like the majority or you ask people in general, like, hey, what do you want to see a video about? They're not going to ask that, but right. it's actually something they're interested in. You know sure. what I mean? Like, yeah. So it's it. Well, it that, you have, 
you have a lot of really good content on your channel. I, I, I'm not super familiar with you or your channel, yeah. you know. Um, I, I think I ran into you through the, the Slack channel or mm -hmm. something else. I, I don't even remember at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but like, I, you know, I, I went and looked at like what you had on your channel. And it's like, dude, you, you've got a lot of like, like a big spread too. Cause it's, sure. it's like some channels like mine, for example, I say it, I'm a biker channel, I'm a mountain bike channel. You right. know what I mean? Like every once in a while, there might be a gravel bike on there or my fixie yeah, or something, something. You know what I mean? But it's like, I'm a mountain bike channel. Right. But like, you really have like, you've got a lot of different stuff going on there, man. Yeah. Are these well, all like your personal bikes? Or are you like, you're like one of those guys that just likes to flip bikes constantly? How's that work? Uh, well, not too much on my channel is personal bikes. Uh, uh -huh. Pretty much the only stuff uh, about my personal bikes might be like a, a riding vlog that I might do, or if mm -hmm. I'm doing a build or a mechanical upgrade, uh -huh. uh, you know, I'm only going to record my stuff because, uh -huh. you know, if somebody's paying for me to do something, uh, uh -huh. I, you know, I don't want to be distracted by trying to video, you know, their, their item. Yeah. But, uh, but basically most of it is, is uh, like, you know, get into work and uh, get there a couple hours early, grab a bike or something off of the uh, uh, the sales floor, walk oh, okay. it out back, try to do a video or two. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, essentially knock that out. And, you know, the, the thing about it is, is like, there's so many different bikes and, you know, I, I go back like, so when I started getting into riding, I, I remember my very first uh, mountain bike per se was mm -hmm. this uh this magna full suspension mm -hmm. and i remember being like so excited about it right and and got the bike and it was kind of okay I spent a year babysitting and then i got myself a specialized hard rock mm -hmm. um and once i got that that hard rock i mean the difference between the walmart bike and the hard rock back then was so big yeah and i think i think about that today is like you know uh, I, I ride a bunch of really nice bikes and I'm, I'm super grateful for being able to have stuff that's unobtainium yeah. for, for a lot of people. Right. Yeah, totally. And the thing is, is like the unobtainium that I choose to ride today is the same unobtainium as somebody buying a $500 bike. Yeah. And I, I still get some excitement when you see a $500 bike and you're like, man, I'd actually ride that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, and so yeah. I love to make videos about that stuff because there's way more people buying $5,000 bikes than there are $10,000 bikes. Yeah. And there's way better people recording $10,000 bikes than I am. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so like, you know, there, there is no limit to swanky bike on the internet being hucked off of something. Yeah. But there's a huge limit of brand XYZ uh, yeah. steel hardtail with a 70 millimeter fork that yeah. somebody is going to be really excited to own. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's funny you talk like, about that difference in, uh, the, the bikes. Cause my first bike was like from Montgomery wards and, mm -hmm. or mountain bike for, for instances. And like my first real bike was a giant, but at that point, like real mountain bike. But at that point, like that was still a fully rigid bike. Right. You know, and but the difference between those two bikes was phenomenally different. And, oh, it's and it, incredible. Yeah. yeah and, and it's crazy. Like, like I didn't even ever really think about that. I mean, now you think like how much difference is between a fully rigid, specialized 
which is basically going to be their like bottom of the line bike compared and to if they even make one anymore. Right, right. Compared to like a Walmart bike, there's right. you would think there's not a whole lot, but there is still like yeah, you know. Like, I always feel bad. Somebody the other day on one of my comments was like, I you know I have these weight loss videos and a lot of people it's inspired a lot of people, which is really rad. And somebody had sent something to me and they're like, man, I'm like super stoked. I lost some weight and I'm going to, I'm going to go buy myself a bike. I'm going to go to Walmart and pick up a bike. And sure. I was like, man, like on one hand, I'm so excited that you're decided to get into mountain biking. But right. then on the same note, I'm like, I hope that bike doesn't ruin your experience. Sure. You know? Well, I, I love the husbands that go, oh, I'm going to get my, myself a nice bike, but I'm going to get my wife a bike from Walmart to see if she mm -hmm. likes it. I'm mm -hmm. Like, well, sir, how can we be certain that your wife is not going to love cycling? Right. <laughs> right. right. It's, yeah. it's this exact plan. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I don't know. I mean, the, the thing about the, the whole Walmart thing is, is, I, you know, I don't know what the percentage is, but let's let's guess that maybe 80% of people get into cycling through some form of that. Right. Yeah. Some so, form of so extremely cheap bike. Yeah, exactly. Of, yeah. of whatever variety they might get. And, you know, it is still pretty amazing how many people fall in love with the sport while yeah. having like the worst equipment possible. Right. Right. <laughs> right? And, yeah. and so that's, that's pretty cool. And, you know, I, I sometimes catch myself like when, when you see, some videos come out about that or, or somebody uh, that you know that goes to the store, you want to go like, hey, wh why didn't you just buy a used bike? A used bike yeah. is way better. I However, when somebody buys a used bike, they buy the maintenance or the issues that come with it. Yeah. And if, if your very first bike is coming through, it's really unlikely that you'll know any of that. Yeah. So it's like, you know, that's easy to say once you know what you're doing, but how do you yeah. make that decision when like it's totally fresh? Yeah. And, you know, every time I say that, I always have to like, remember if I didn't know what I know about bikes, I would right. definitely not buy a used bike because I'd be afraid that I was going to get ripped off. Yeah. You know, or, you know, you have stuff like brakes that need to be bled or, you know, you find out that you can no longer buy 26 inch tires because that's right. just not a thing for some reason anymore. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, all, all those kind of things that you just don't know going into it. Yeah. 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 It's, it's unfortunate that that's the thing, you know, and I, I usually try to tell people like, hopefully if they're my friends, I'll try to lean them into it and be like, look, I can help you send you some stuff. I can show you like what's going to be good. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like the model of my channel. It only takes a bike to be a biker. And I think that's really why what you just said, you know, about people starting out with cheap bikes, it doesn't really matter because right. you get out there and regardless of like, I actually have no more fun on the bike that I have that's sitting here that probably retails for way too much money compared sure. to like that original Montgomery Wards bike. Like I'm still having the same amount of fun. Right. You know, I'm having less mechanicals now and I'm like not beating sure. my body up as much and I'm probably riding better, you know, because of those things. But the amount of fun that doesn't change. You know? Yeah. Well, I, I think there is a, a little bit of a curve as you go through, um, like, you know, the, uh, what is it? The, the minimum necessary equipment or whatever yeah. to have fun, yeah. but, but that is reasonably low. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, 
you can have a lot of fun on relatively inexpensive gear. And yeah. when you get nicer stuff, it sure it makes certain things better. Yeah. But, you know, most group rides, you can go on on a mountain bike ride and have a huge variety of, you know, the equipment people are on. Yeah. And uh, I've been shown up time and time again with somebody on a fully rigid 26er that just knows yeah. what they're doing. And yeah. that, that means a lot more than whatever Gucci thing you're sitting on. Yeah, right when I was leaving the trail today, uh, my lady and I, we went out, we took the dog for a little oh, hike, cool. and then she, she was doing some 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 shuttles for me. Yeah. And uh, we were leaving. And as we were leaving, I watched this guy like pop out on the trail, like a nice cool suspension rig, something new. And like right behind him was this dude that was like, it had to be like 10 or 15 years old, like hard tail yep. fork that you're like, they still have those, you know, like, sure. like you, you were like, man, this guy really dusted the dust off of that to get in, you know, but like exactly what you just said they both came out of the bottom of that downhill trail at the same time. Right. You, you know what I mean? So like, and I've had the same thing that you're talking about where I've judged somebody by their bike, you know, at the trailhead. And then they're like waiting for me at the bottom of the hill. And you're yeah. like, Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> so I guess flip flops and jeans don't mean that you're a bad rider. You know, <laughs> like I, I showed up on, uh, on a group ride, you know, several years ago at, uh, at this place called Vietnam. It's, it's, uh, run by new England mountain bike association. It's kind of like the, the Mecca of cycling in, in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and anyways, I was on the group ride and there was a gentleman on, you know, what you might consider like an old clunker, you know, something mm -hmm. that looks like a, a nineties mountain bike, super yeah. cool dude. But, uh, but anyways, we got to, there's a, a section, uh, some people call it gnomes landing, but you know, they've got some of these hollowed out trees with gnomes in there and mm -hmm. uh, a whole bunch of rocks. And it's, it's really substantial rock garden to get through, you know, half mm -hmm. the height of a wheel kind of rocks to go mm -hmm. through. And, uh, you know, I've ridden there since I was a kid, I mean, probably 15 years and I've yet to go through that section. Right. And he kind of starts lining up and, and uh, is track standing on the bike and then goes through and does a line I've never seen before. Right. And literally right after seeing it, it clicked. And now I can get through there, no problem. Right. But it's like, you know, of, of all the people that I was with, that right. was the dude to like show me how to get through the section that has thwarted me forever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it's, yeah, it was super cool. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, it's really neat to see when people are doing that. I like being humbled like that, man. Yeah. You know, I was uh, probably back in, I don't know, 2007 or something like that. Like after I got back into mountain biking, I was in pretty good shape. I was all stoked about, you know, being skinny and whatever. And um, I yeah. went on this group ride and there was this dude probably about as big as I am now, maybe even bigger than, than that, you know, and he, and he's like starting this group ride with like no shirt on just like big old beer gut all over the place like awesome. no fucks given you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, and i yeah. just remember thinking like the ride that we were going on i was like man this guy's gonna be sucking because there are some big hills here you know and we're going up this hill and i'm like just giving it everything i have and i'm like oh my god I'm just freaking pushing and, and all of a sudden i hear these like two guys just bullshitting and they just go right by me like like i'm sitting still and one of those two dudes was that big fat guy and he's like you know one hand on the handlebar just like blah blah yeah. blah, blah blah talking to his buddy and just like 
just zoomed right past me. And I remember at that moment that I was like, you know what? You cannot look at anybody on the trail and think, you know, what they have in their skill set or look at their bike and think you know who they are because you don't. So just like squash that and forget about it, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's definitely like, but I like that. I like being humbled like that. You know what I mean? It like taught me something that I carry for the rest of my life, you know? Yeah. You know, it's kind of crazy. Well, that's the importance of riding with other people. Yeah. I, I know a lot of people that, do the same sort of trails by themselves most of the time. And, and uh, albeit the majority of my mountain biking is by myself too. Yeah. But, but being able to go out with other people, you, you end up seeing stuff that you would have never really seen before. Mm-hmm. Find a new line to get through stuff or, um, you know, the other pieces is like some people just push you and yeah. you end up going yeah. a hell of a lot faster than you ever would yeah. before. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, group rides or mountain biking with, with other people is really fun in that way. The line thing that is really, uh, I think that's a big one too. Like, that's funny you mentioned that because I've definitely, probably even within the last couple of months, had some like aha moments from being able to mm-hmm. like follow a friend and actually like, oh, I've never seen anybody go over that rock that way. Right. That makes so much sense. I don't know. Like, cause, cause like we're like humans are creatures of habit, right? Yeah. You know, so even me, when I'm going down a trail and I'm thinking in my head, I'm going to take this other line. I'm going to try something different today. I'm going to try something different. Like yeah. you get to that spot and you're like, nope, doing what I'm going to, this is definitely still the best <laughs> right, one, right. you know? And it's like, it takes actually seeing somebody else. And, and uh, I remember I was following with my buddy's wife one day and uh, on this trail and she like, I'm definitely like you know, quote unquote, a better rider than her. You know what I mean? So I was kind of like chilling behind her, you know, like, ah, it was like a, a fun group ride or whatever, you know? And I was like, yeah, whatever. We're just having a good time. And she went up and over this rock, like, like way off the trail that I would have like, I never even thought that you could yeah, go there. Never way. even seen it. <laughs> yeah, never. Yeah. And I remember that section, I would always get irritated because I'd come into it. I'd like super break. And I'm like, how the hell are you supposed to get through here fast? And it's right. like, she just came straight in, went over this, like this huge, like almost like wall ride kind of rock, just right over the top of it and down the other side. And I was like, holy crap. Like, right. And and that's like, once again, like here I was still like judging somebody, you, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like we all do it. Like, it doesn't sure. matter. Like it, it's just human nature, but it was one of those moments like where it's like, man, like, wow, you like totally changed it for me, you know? Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. It's funny though, that, like you can only get those moments by accident. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I feel like if somebody told me to go that way a long time ago, I'm like, no, I don't want to go that way. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I think you also need to see it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, totally. Even totally. if you're told that, that that's the way, uh, yeah. I mean, we're all, uh, what is it? Lemurs or something that follow each other. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Totally. <laughs> you know, totally. Once you see it, you know, you can do it. Yeah. So you, you've done a lot of different like product reviews over the years. What, what's something that um, you thought was going to be really good that just like shit the bed? That's a, I don't know. That's a tough question. So generally, if I don't like something, I just don't put the video up uh, or, yeah. or don't even do the video because yeah. uh, I'd rather only show stuff that was good. But um, I guess 
I don't know, something I put up that I was a little bummed about. I, I very rarely take free stuff from people to do videos. Uh -huh. Um, and, and anyways, this, uh, this Asian company reached out, uh, uh, regarding an E, uh, E like hybrid bike or something. And normally I, I don't really touch that stuff on my channel. Anyways, uh, a lot of the electronic stuff, I'm just not as educated as I should be to be able to, you know, accurately convey some information, you know, there, yeah, yeah. there's a bunch of channels that do it really well, but uh, this particular bike was a single speed belt drive with a battery tucked up inside of the frame. And, um, you know, like, I don't know, it seemed really cool. It yeah, seemed like something that like I could see myself wanting, I'm like, yeah, All right, yeah. you know, uh, send it out. Uh, I'll, I'll do a video on it and I'll, I'll do my best to put it together. And yeah. um, this is when I basically got educated on uh, pr pretty much any mainline brand. Uh, your big brands are all using uh, 48 volt systems with, you know, fairly powerful mid drive motors down where the cranks are. Uh -huh. Well, this happened to be a 36 volt system with a hub motor. Uh, and uh -huh. I've, I've done a lot of learning since then that, that would make this make sense. But, you know, with the one speed, I thought, well, the motor is going to overpower when I am not powerful enough to get up something. Yeah. And, you know, they probably geared it hard enough that, you know, you can go pretty fast on it. You can go to yeah. 25 or whatever, because I think it was classified as a as a class three. Mm -hmm. But something about the bike was just not right. Uh, it, the gearing was set up so low that mm -hmm. you'd spin out, you know, 110 uh, cadence, something like that, around 20, 21 miles an hour. So to get going at any speed, like your your feet are going fast. Oh, and yeah. then because it was such a low power e-bike uh -huh. uh, and driving these really heavy electric motors that are in the hub, it right. had like no balls getting up hills. Oh, and wow. so all of a sudden the bike sort of became useless. Right. And so I'm thinking <laughs> through like, you know, what, what's the use case? You know, I live in central Massachusetts, which is really a hilly area, um, right. you know, um, uh, around here, we've got what we would consider like punchy climbs, you know, right. uh, there's, it, it's not like you're going for a thousand feet, but yeah. you have a lot of these, you know, 50, hundred foot climbs, and then you go back down, yeah. um, you know, on a road ride around here, it's pretty normal to do somewhere around a, a thousand or so 1100 feet of climbing, uh, for every 10 miles, which is relatively yeah. challenging for, yeah, for yeah. most conditions. You know, yeah. out, out your way, that would be up once and then you get the whole way down. Right, but ours right. is rolling the entire time. And so, so anyways, yeah. this bike basically was frustrating the entire time uh, <laughs> yeah. that, that you're riding. And it's like, so, so what use case could this be good for? Uh -huh. and it's like, well, I guess if I lived in the city or I lived down in Florida uh -huh. and, you know, I just wanted something to scoot around, it could be good. But yeah, yeah I don't know. I guess that would be the most disappointing thing that yeah. I've had on the channel. Because it's those, just, those uh, it's Asian, yeah, those Asian brand like knockoffy kind of stuff. I mean, anybody that's doing social media, whether it's you know Instagram or YouTube or whatever, or TikTok, yeah. you're definitely like you get bombarded by those. Oh, sure. And every once in a while, one of them will like sing to you a little bit. You know, yeah. I've almost you're been. Like, All right, I'll do that. Yeah, yeah, or you're like, oh, well, that would be cool to have like this. You know battery boom box right solar power thingy that i could take when i'm going barbecuing well, well like, that's oh. what my uh my millennial review channel is great at 
yeah, when I get yeah. those into James the Bike Guy, because I, I uh, you know, get those all the time to that email address. Yeah. I'll then write back and say, hey, I'd be interested in this, but I'm going to post it up on my other channel. Yeah. And some people take the bait. And, and it's funny because on that channel, I have a wide variety of really bad electronics, like yeah. uh, taillights that are just tremendously awful. Yeah. Uh, and then every once in a while, you get something. You're like, all right, I'll keep this. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, I'll use it. Some of that stuff is like hit or miss too in that that zone. Like I know sure. I uh, I used to ride like street bikes and okay. um, like to get a really good aftermarket or like maybe real plastic, you know, um, fender eliminator that's going to like tuck up your, 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 your brake lights into the back of your, your bike, like. Yeah, could be like way expensive. Like, let's yeah. just say a thousand bucks, right? Sure. But you yeah, can find them like Chinese knockoff brand for like two hundred. Some of them will be good enough. You know what I mean? Like the paint might not be perfect, but most people aren't looking at your bike from like three feet away. You right. know, like most of them are looking at it from you know a while a, a distance. You know, or like maybe you might have to go th jump through a little bit of hoops to get the lights to work right or something like that or the, the, the screw holes to mount up, you know? So it's like worth right. that. But sometimes it's like, no, you just got took for 200 bucks. Man, this thing's no good at all. I, I have a pretty hard stop when it comes to things that are safety related. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna try any person's whiz bang, no name front fork. Yeah. Simply, yeah. I just don't feel like visiting the dentist. You're right, However, right, right. like, some I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think of a good good other example, but if like somebody wanted to try out a new cassette or something, yeah, what's the worst that happens? I get really yeah. pissed five miles into a ride. Right, right, <laughs> right. right. Maybe, maybe that would be interesting to try. But I tried yeah. that with a set of hubs once, man. I bought these like I think it was like Circus Monkey or cir something Circus. Yep. I can't remember what it was um hubs and they were like you could get any color you wanted they were in and die they you know what i mean it was like these are these are dope dude you could get a whole set of uh, hubs for like a 100 bucks instead of 500 this has got to just be because they're from china they're coming from the same factory and yeah. i put them on and it was like i got you know first of all you got to pay to get these things built because i can't do that myself well, that's what i was going to say is you just threw away some spokes and a whole bunch of labor <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yep. put them on i think it was like at least maybe three rides in and like yeah. the internals just like shit the bed you know <laughs> it was done and I was like, then I instantly learned about, oh, I got to pay to get these rebuilt and I got to get all these. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. I learned my lesson on hubs right then and there. So these things happen, right? Well, that's about that's the challenge with wheel building is uh, like it's a lot of money to do it right. And then yeah. uh, when there's one thing that you spec wrong or you cheaped out on, it yeah. can really hurt a wheel. And like in that case, yeah. you just toast. It's done. One of my, my I have a friend that runs a, a hub company and he tried to teach me how to build wheels and it's just not in me. Have you ever built a wheel? No. no. Yeah. It, it Like <laughs> I, I really didn't want to learn, but he was like really wanted me to learn. And yeah. I, I just, I know myself and, and uh, I don't have the patience for that kind of task. Right. It's just not like, and I was right. It took me about five minutes and I was like, look, dude, 
I am like would much rather drink the rest of this beer and watch you do this, dude. Like I I'm like done learning. <laughs> well, there, there's also a little bit of art to it. You know, I've I've got a good good buddy of mine and coworker that uh, uh, he loves building wheels, and so you know I've got several wheels that have kind of been built up in a few different ways. But like he'll he'll sit through and like think through how to get you know, the decal to show up matching, you know, what the rim decals are, or right. sometimes finding that one little detail that if you look through the hole where the valve goes, you yeah. can see that through, which you're, you're only going to see when you first get these wheels. Right. Uh, and then, you know, he'll, he'll help me think through, you know, uh, on non-drive and drive, what type of spokes I want to use and try to feel out what the wheel's going to be. And it yeah. is truly an art form when oh, you've got somebody who knows what they're doing. Yeah. And uh, I, I'd much rather flip him a few bucks to come out with a really nice wheel rather yeah. than uh, yeah, spend, spend the hours to build a mediocre one on my own. Yeah, I have a friend that's like a, he, he was a bike mechanic in college. And like, yep. as far as like people that I would trust working on my bike, like he's high on the list. You know what I mean? Sure, and sure. whenever I finally got to the point in my life where I wanted to build a, a, a custom set of wheels, I, I asked him if he would build them for me. He's like, nah. And I was like, why? And he's like, dude, I don't even build my own wheels. He's like, I go over to this other shop. Like, it's yeah, like exactly. He's like, yeah, I can do it. But he's like, I don't, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to ride my own wheels. I go have this other dude build them. Right. And when he told me that I was like, oh, okay, I'm, yep. I'm with you then. You know what I mean? Like, Cause I'm a cheap ass. If I like, I feel like if I knew how to do it, that I I would be like, oh, I'd do it myself. But now that I like, I'm a little bit more experienced with these things. Like I know I still, I, I don't want to, I don't want to, I know I'm sure that I have the mental aptitude to do it. You know what I mean? Right. I'm sure that I could build a wheel, but a hundred percent, like what you said, it's not going to be, I, I haven't, I haven't got the 10,000 hours. You yeah, know what right. I mean? Well, that's, that's it. I mean, I, I've got, uh, on, on one of my road bikes, I've got a set of, uh, uh, sub 1400 gram, uh, alloy wheels. So aluminum rims all built up, uh, sub 1400. If, if you're not a weight weenie is like Holy grail light for road bike wheels. Uh-huh. And, uh, and anyways, you know, I'm also plus 200 pounds depending on the day of the week and, and what mm. season it is. Yeah. Uh, tip, typically lightweight aluminum and heavy don't match, right? right? You, usually that ends in failure, but yeah. be, because they were custom built and we thought through what we were going to do on them, I think that wheel set has 35, 4,000 miles, uh, yeah. and it's only hit a truing stand once, yeah. uh, which was after the first hundred mile break-in yeah. and past that, I mean, knock on wood, cause I don't feel like buying new wheels. Right. It's uh, it's incredible if it's done right. I mean, you get some killer stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had some. Uh, I think that first set of wheels that I was talking about that I had that guy. Yeah, I, I took his recommendation when he built the wheels, mm -hmm. and um, it was a set of of uh, stands flows. Okay, aluminum, sure. You know, yep. and uh, Project Three Two One was the first set of Project Three Two One hubs that I bought over ten years ago, which is funny because I ended up becoming friends with the guy that owns the company and stuff yeah. later on down the road. But uh, yeah, I built those the same thing. I think I mm -hmm. took them in maybe like two or three months after I bought them just right. to like tighten it back up. 
and I don't even know if there was a problem. I think it was more along the lines of like they had told me like, hey, you can bring them back and we'll like get them back in. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And uh, I just did it. And um, I, I I never trued those ever again. The only time I ever did anything with those spike spokes was like about a year ago. I, I cut the hubs out to give them to somebody. <laughs> you know, cool. Like they were still good, you know. So, yeah, it's yeah. kind of crazy. I, I've never uh, held any of the Project 321 stuff, but, um, yeah. you know, heirloom quality hubs are amazing because you can yeah. just move them from wheel set or to other yeah. people. I'm, yeah. I'm sure those are the case, but like, yeah. isn't that a great feeling not to just have to throw that away? You can yeah, let them live with somebody else thing. later on. It, it's a crazy thing too, like to um, have a set of wheels and be like, hey, I can when I buy a new bike, I am don't care about the wheels because I'm going to put right. these on there. You know, that's the only thing I can say. Like I, I tend to get like real matchy matchy with my stuff, but if you're building a custom set of wheels and you think you're going to like move through bikes, yep. make them, make them plain like black hubs and black spokes and just put some stickers on them or something like that. Some decals from a place like stickered or whoever right. and get your, 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 like your pal out of it that way. Because then you can buy another bike and instead of upgrading to the carbon wheels, you can have your carbon wheels you just bring with you and you right. can sit those other wheels to the side, let them collect dust for a year or whatever it is while you ride the bike. And when you go to sell the bike, boom, it's like, hey, brand new set of wheels on there too. You know, like. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely. I, um, go ahead. I was just going to say I'm horrible with that stuff because I, I don't do much custom anymore. Cause mm -hmm. I, I swap bikes way faster than people should, you know, yeah. uh, a, a bike is rarely owned much more than a year. And, yeah. uh, and so in that, like, I never color match anything. Most of my yeah. stuff is like as boring as could be, yeah. but you know, I've got a, I've got a few bikes that, that I do not intend on selling. And those yeah. particular ones you end up, you know, Gucci up and really making nice. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm, laughing a little when you say the be able to bring them to the next wheel or next bike i think that's true right up until the next standard changes and that's, that's the, like that's the thing. whatever every five years or something we yeah. get something that makes nothing work together anymore right um, or even like like <laughs> like now it seems like let's say you're a, a, a heart like tried and true 29er guy or 27.5 guy and then it's like boom next bike like the the the, the trend right now is mullet yeah, right. Yeah, so you're like, oh, I need to buy one wheel. <laughs> yeah, well, and and then that's annoying when some of the brands that are selling mullets are selling their wheels only as wheel sets. Right. It's like, what what product designer uh, or product manager, I should say, thought this through? Yeah. yeah <laughs> like, yeah. but I yeah, I haven't gotten into into mullet yet. I've ridden a few of them, and and they're they're neat. I guess I I haven't been able to satisfy the needing to bring two tubes with me kind of problem. Yeah. I mean, I, I lived through the day when so, they did. First of all, I'm, I'm going to set you straight right here, dude. Carry 27.5, yeah. you're fine. Well, sure. You can just stretch it. Yeah, yeah. it'll work no matter what, man. So don't worry yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. But I'm know. curious. So are you a 27.5 guy or are you a 29 yeah. guy? 29er. 29er yeah. guy. Okay. Yeah. See, I mean, I'm a 27.5 guy and um, I do have a 29er bike. I, this is not my first one, but um, I'm still a 27.5 guy overall. 
Yeah. But I'm really intrigued. I haven't ridden a mullet yet. So I'm like really intrigued by it. What, what, what's your take on it? Yeah. I mean, so it, at, at least in my experience, it's felt like the, the bike can be just a little more maneuverable in the front end. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I think that's because you're, uh, I don't know what the right engineering term is, but yeah. basically that space in the back to, uh, that you're pivoting off of gets a little bit smaller. Yeah. Um, and, and especially with modern bikes, I feel like that is becoming more necessary because mm-hmm. everyone's chasing these super slack head tube angles, which then means that they need a steep seat tube angle, which then means you need to extend the reach and then mm-hmm. adjust down the offset of the fork. You right. end up in a long way with a giant long wheelbase of a bike. Right. And long so when you do that, right. yeah, that makes it long load slack and right. stable and right. stable right. in a way that can make it not fun. Right. And so how do you make it fun? Well, you start shortening things up and you right. bring that rear center so short. And I think that's kind of where it's going. I mm-hmm. guess I don't totally understand the, uh, it, at least around here, you lower your bottom bracket height, which is a little bit of a challenge. Yeah. You know, our, our stuff, uh, I've ridden a bunch in California and our stuff is nowhere near as buff as some of the trails that, that y'all get to enjoy. Yeah. You guys have a lot of like little rocky stuff that you're dealing yeah, with. Yeah. It, exactly. And so like pedal strike is a real thing. And so yeah. dropping that, that bottom bracket is a little challenging, but yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I like the idea of everything matching just being 29 and, yeah. and maybe I'll come, come by the right bike that totally changes my mind. I mean, this, yeah. this morning I, I did a video uh, that'll go up at some point, but of the new Chameleon. Uh-huh. Um, and I got to play around with uh, an MX and the standard 29. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't know, I'd probably buy it in a 29er. But yeah. who, who knows? I'm happy to be but wrong. If you're a 29er you know. guy already, <laughs> I can see that. You know what yeah, I mean? Right. Because I, I, um, I understand the reason that guys like 29ers yeah. and like most of the reasons that guys like 29ers are the exact opposite of the reasons that I like 27.5. Like, sure. Like they like that, you know, that extra speed that it carries. They like the way that it, you know, the grip is or whatever. They like the way the rollover is. They like the way that it just kind of like, you know, maybe I, I like the confidence that when you get hung up on a rock, I didn't yeah. choose the bike that would make it harder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. If if I'm getting caught up on a 29er, it would have sucked on a 27.5. Yeah. So I'm feeling okay. And for me, it's like I the reason that I really like the 27.5 is I like that it's more twitchy. I like that I yeah. have to like pop it through stuff more. Like I like the way that that active feeling is. And yeah. so like when I get on a 29er, it feels sluggish to me, or like it feels like it's picking its own line instead of like what I want it to do. Sure. So it's interesting to hear what your take on the mullet is. I I watched um what's his name? Hardtail Party recently do that. Yeah, that he's got a lot of chameleon. cool stuff. And yeah. I've had a chameleon before too, and that bike was super fun. So I was really, really interested in how he felt about that mullet. And it seemed like by the end of his video, he said the same, like he was he'd rather pick the 29er. Yeah. I you know the the uh I think this is fair to say the only mullet that really interests me right now, at least is uh-huh. the Bronson. That's and what I mentioned. <laughs> yeah, that I, you know, I can't put into words why I look at that. I'm like, I'd, I'd like to ride that, yeah. but I definitely have that feeling checking it out. And there's a lot of other mullets that are just 
okay. Yeah. I mean, they, they seem cool, but something about the Bronson just feels like it would be a really good mix between the trails that I have around here. Yeah. And then when you go up lift service up at Highland or Thunder Mountain around us, yeah. um, that it could be a real good one bike to do it all. Yeah. Um, but I haven't gotten any riding on one aside from a parking lot, which yeah. only sort of tells you something. Yeah, totally. I've had a couple of Bronsons. I mean, that's my main, main bike now. Yeah. And um, I mean, obviously you're you're speaking my language, but <laughs> the one thing that I've heard from a lot of people on that bike what and and from people that weren't like Bronson fans, like people that just were right. like, oh, I test I demoed it or whatever, and maybe they were 29er fans or whether they were like whatever. I've heard a lot of people say that they just got on that bike and it just felt like their bike. Yeah. Like regardless of what their bike was, like it just like it was for lack of a better term, like the chameleon that they needed, you know what I mean? Right, like, right, it right. Just, like it just like it just rode so well. And that's the one thing that really, cause I, I'll be dead honest. When they said that bike was coming out as a mullet, I thought the, my initial reaction was, so this is when I stopped riding the Bronson. Like this is yeah, when sure. I, I switched to another brand. Like I'm, I really like 27.5. Right. Um, like at least for like that type of riding that I use that bike for. And um, I'm just, oh, I'm so curious. And then one of my buddies bought, like he was, his wife has that new Bronson. So he was riding it as a mullet mm -hmm. and he said he really liked it. And then he got some, uh, he got a Scott that okay. comes as a 29er, but you can switch it to a mullet. Yeah. And he like did it both ways. And he also was like into the mullet. And then I had a buddy like a while ago that I think it was like, you know, before companies actually were making the mullet, you know, where people are just doing it on their own. And he had like take it, took his evil or something like that and switched it to mullet. And he, he was like going on and on about it at the time. So I've had all these people keep telling me like how much they like it. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel like I should listen because the same, like, like, um, the same amount of of positive energy is what I heard about the plus tires from, yeah. from people. And I never tried them for the longest time. And then whenever I finally did, I was like, oh my God, I love this. Sure. Like, especially like you're a big guy. Like you're, you say you're, you're in the Clydesdale, you know, yeah, yeah. like me, dude, I'm, I'm like 250 right now, you know? So like, I'm a big dude. And those plus tires make me feel like this is what, like tread like this is what traction feels like if you weigh 140 pounds right you know <laughs> i'm like this is amazing like like so i was kind of <laughs> bummed when the new bronson a turned into a mullet and then b right. also they changed the frame like you can't use the plus tires anymore and like i i i have a set of of rims that are 45 mil internal yeah. with 2.8s on them that i use on my bronson and then i also have a set of like 35 millimeter, like that I'm running 2.5s, my envies on. Right. So that bike is like two totally different bikes with those wheels on it. Yeah. You, you know? So whenever yeah. they were like, oh, well, it's going to mullet. I'm like, now I can't use those, those plus, like maybe I'll just keep this older one. Like I'm, right. I don't know. So it's definitely interesting. It's definitely interesting to see. I, d I don't know what happened to that plus size, uh, you know, that or section of time. Mm -hmm. I, I really liked it. I mean, my, my wife has a, has a plus bike. She's got a Trek Roscoe 
that yeah. she just straight up loves. And, uh, you know, I had a bike for a while, uh, uh, Hightower, the first gen that yeah. I would swap between them. Uh, yeah. I literally had a set of Mavic XA wheels with 2.8s on it. And then I had the 29ers and I'd swap between it. And uh, I always felt like the plus size was the perfect medium between, uh, you know, your 2.3 and then a fat bike. You know, I, yeah. I do a lot of fat biking, especially this time of year. And there's you said you were amazing... using 2.8? Uh, yeah, it was 2.8 I was using. Yeah. I feel like 2.8 is the perfect, like, size for plus. Well, the 3.0s get heavy. It, yeah. Uh, yeah, without going weight weenie here, it's amazing that there can be 150, 200 grams of weight difference by going yeah. 2.8 to 3.0. There must be something about the tire construction that has to change, yeah. but the three O's feel slow and yeah. a two eight feels plenty snappy. But then, then again today, I mean, pretty much every bike I ride, I run 2.6s on 29ers. So yeah. that's near enough, uh, you know, mid fat anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I, um, yeah, yeah. It's tough. <laughs> yeah. I think that two eight though is like, the perfect size tire when you're on plus like i right i i've talked to a bunch of guys too that they're like yeah three is too much but like that two eight still like rolls really well and like it's it's enough cushion that it's a huge difference between a two eight and a two six you know yeah. what i mean like, yeah it definitely is yeah, well, yeah. I, a lot of that is tire height changes yeah so the the erto standard uh you know tire height's a function of width and so whatever that light bulb shape is that gets created by the tire, yeah, the yeah. casings have to get a lot taller. Um, yeah. And so it, it really does make a difference. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, um, yeah, yeah. It's definitely, it's, it's a bummer that, that it, it, it's not like sticking around because I don't, yeah, I feel like, like the reason that it's not sticking around is mm -hmm. because they were like engineering for, the three O or something like that. Yeah. Or, it, or if there's just engineered for two eight and they don't call it plus like, right. I'm okay with that. Like, let me still put those wheels on Cause they were so much fun. Yeah. I had those two eights on, on my chameleon and mm -hmm. I ran the chameleon as a 29er for a while. And then I, I ran them as the, the plus and right. on a hard tail, a plus tire is like, Oh my God, it's so good. Yeah. You know, it was like that little bit of extra suspension that just made it when you were smashing through a rock garden, it didn't like, right. didn't hurt as bad, you know, like, oh, I uh, thought it was so good. Even, even uh, I talked to Steve about this from Hardtail Party and he said the same thing. He's yeah, like, I had, uh, I had two of the Chameleon 7s, the previous uh -huh. gen to what's out today. Uh -huh. And yeah, that bike was definitely better. Plus. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the teal one, the teal one that they had or? Yeah. So, uh, I'm trying to remember the colorways that I had, but, uh -huh. um, I think one of them was teal and purple uh -huh. and then the shoot, what was the other color? Um, oh, man, I'll have to look on my Instagram to remember. Yeah. The one but, that I uh, had was the 2019. I had that one. It was like teal and like the letters were like a, a lighter grayish kind of teal yeah. i had that one in aluminum and then i got i bought the carbon chameleon after it came out yeah and so honestly i like the aluminum bike. one more really what what did you like better about the aluminum one well this is like and this is kind of like an unfair thing to say but um i think real i 
I am in between an, a large and an extra large. And okay. Every time I try an extra large, I hate it. Sure. And when I went to the shop to buy the the carbon chameleon, I ordered. I wrote down, "Hey, I want a large." And the guy's like, "You sure you don't want an extra large?" And that <laughs> one sentence, I was like, "All right, yeah, maybe. what the hell? I'll try it." Oh, because I was thinking in my head, I was like, oh, "I'll be a little longer. It'll be a little more stable on the downhill stuff." Like, right. and I basically just was not happy with the like the way that that bike felt the whole time because of that little bit of change. I, but I feel like the main reason that I got the carbon one was because I was like borrowing one of my other buddies that had a carbon bike. And when you would put your, your, what my foot on the, the pedal, you could see how much my bottom bracket was swaying in the aluminum one, just like sure. just putting my foot on the pedal. And uh, I was like, man, that's like a lot of like energy, energy loss. And, you know, I was like this carbon and my buddy's carbon bike, it was an Ibis. It just felt so good. And I was like, I'm going to try the carbon. And, mm -hmm. um, I think that give that was on that aluminum one just made it more comfortable. Yeah. I can you believe know? that. Yeah. Cause that, that the Santa Cruz one, I'm like, even Steve said in his review is like super stiff. Right. I don't, I don't know how the new one is. I don't know if it's the same way or not, but I, I have, uh, yeah, I haven't ridden the new one on, on, uh, on a trail yet, but, uh, certainly it seems like a few of the reviews that are out there believe it to be fairly sturdy built. And I yeah. think Santa Cruz is doing that purposefully, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I just looked it up. It was green and purple was the first one, a dark green. Oh, I remember went, that. Yeah, it was like an army green. Teal. Yeah, yeah, army green. So that was 2018. That Yeah, uh, that yeah. Happened. That's the same frame basically as I had then. It was just the- Yeah, year. yeah. Chameleon yeah. 7 went 18 to whatever, 21, 2020, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so my friends and I, we've been around, not, maybe not my friends, it was just me, actually. We were I was joking that the new Santa Cruz's, you notice how big the down tube is on the Bronson? Yeah, it's huge. Right, so I've been making this joke to people that I think that they're just slowly making their down tube on their analog bikes bigger, so that one day you're like, you can't tell the difference between that and an e-bike. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll just be like, well, I don't know, because like... <laughs> Let, that may be a secondary benefit, but I, yeah. I got to imagine there's another reason. <laughs> uh, just just humor me, man. <laughs> well, well, what I don't understand, uh, maybe this is patent related or something. It, it can't be because there's a bunch of brands that have done it. But when you have these big down tubes that are on bikes, uh, like that Bronson, for instance, mm -hmm. they've got to figure out how to do frame storage. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I didn't have frame storage on a mountain bike until this this past year, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and I, I feel like it was back when, uh, dropper post first came out, you yeah. know, when, when dropper post first came out, I, I had this, uh, this remedy, which was a 27, five back then, mm -hmm. but a, uh, uh, a Trek remedy. And I pulled off the, the dropper post. Cause I said, ah, oh, this is heavy and stupid. Why would I ever ride with this and put right. a, uh, a carbon post in oh, wow. and then, and then, when I finally got a bike that I just was too lazy to pull the dropper post out of, I went, yeah. holy crap, why have I been doing this for a year or two? Right, right. And, and so, so anyways, um, you know, last year I bought, I bought the new, new uh, stump jumper frame, did a build up because you just couldn't buy a complete bike or it seemed right. next to impossible. So I did a build from a frame and that had internal frame storage. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, whatever, never needed this before. But yeah. that's a requirement to buy a bike now. 
Because yeah. like it was so nice to put everything in that little burrito roll, throw yeah. it into the down tube of the bike and not think about it again. Yeah. Um, be, because I, I have a rule that like sub 10 mile rides, I simply don't bring anything with me because yeah. the worst case is, is it's a five mile walk is yeah. what I tell myself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now like, even when I'm going out with the dog, uh, there's a place nearby my house that there's this, this six mile loop that I can knock out in 45 minutes. So I can do it either before work or after get yeah. the dog exercise. Like I would never bring a thing. Yeah. And now the bike has it. So if I do break a chain or if I do get a flat, like yeah. life's going to be okay. Um, yeah. And then when you go on a long ride and you don't have to wear a hip pack or you don't have to put something in your jersey, it's yeah. so nice. And uh, it's just like the small luxury that I just don't understand why everyone doesn't do just yet. Because that's like a specialized, I think Trek, they're like the only two that have a little SWAT box or whatever you want to call it, right? No. Yeah, well, that that's most of my exposure. I'm surprised there's not more brands that do it. Those are the only two I know of. Like, hey, anybody huh. in the comments, throw it up if you have, if you know another bike that has a storage spot other than those two. I feel like it's just Trek and, and specialized. But I agree with you. Like, why is that not a standard? You know yeah. what I mean? So... Uh, I've never really like messed around with one of those. Yeah. So when you open up that door, the whole tube is open or is there like a compartment only? So the, the specialized ones, when it first came out, there was uh -huh. a, uh, like a, uh, compartment, I guess is the wrong word because there was just a floor is the right word down where the bottom bracket was. So it kept so, it from like going down to the exactly, far. but it was basically infinite going up the tube. Okay, and okay. and now because you know everyone's jumped onto the threaded bottom bracket is the only way you can buy a bike thing. Uh -huh. um, with that, they no longer have to worry about stuff going down and interfering with the crank, uh -huh. and so most of them are totally free now. And uh -huh. so, like the stump jumper, you could stuff whatever i mean you yeah, can just, just put whatever you want in there yeah just keep shoving and and you know <laughs> the, the the nice thing with like the newest stump jumper is uh uh they they were one of the first like mainline brands to finally go to uh, uh sleeves for your internal cable route yeah yeah because most bikes it's either a mess or you've got zip yeah. ties that you have to put together whatever yeah, yeah. and so with the sleeves i mean you can literally just fill it with stuff and right. it's not going to interfere with anything and right. uh, like I, I've got, uh, it's supposedly showing up on the 28th, but I have a, a Trek Top Fuel, their uh, kind of down country bike that I sort of made fun of when I did a video on it and I've subsequently fallen in love with it. So I bought one, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> but anyways, that's coming in and, and uh, I wanted an aluminum kind of secondary bike to build mm -hmm. up this year. And I, specifically chose that both because the travel numbers are right for what I wanted, but mm -hmm. it's the only aluminum bike I could find with a, you know, a storage box. Oh, and, man. um, yeah, it's funny. That's become a necessary, uh, yeah, no, it makes one year. Sense, man. It's like, why not do that? I mean, especially like, but you got the space. I mean, yeah. it's just an empty hole. Why, why can't you put stuff in it? Well, and like I, I've gone through this thing in the last year or so. It was basically when I bought the chameleon. I yeah. started I started getting away from wearing a camelback. I didn't want to ride a with a, a, a hip pack. And I just wanted to like carry everything on my bike. So when I got the chameleon, I bought um 
you know, like a tube strap with, you know, and some, some matchy matchy Pedros. And and it was like, oh, I bought the, uh, the one up pump that you can put the tool inside of. And then basically I was carrying everything and I just needed to have two bottles, you know? Right. And I was carrying everything and, and exactly everything that you said, which I would have like, I would have argued with you about <laughs> like, like old camelback me would have been like, dude, the bite backpack does not bother me at all. I don't really care about not wearing it. I would, I, I could go on and on and on what my, my argument would be. Right. Right. And, um, um, but now riding without it, it's like, I can't tell you how many times I've accidentally not gone out with enough water just because I'm like sure. so accustomed to not riding with everything. Now I have a hip pack, which I was, I've been talking to people about on the podcast for the last few weeks. Um, yep. If you guys want to get a discount on a lab Oster, hit one of my last couple of uh, podcasts, that hip pack. I love it. It's yeah. like, but it's just two bottles. You know what yep. I mean? And there's some, there's some storage in there, but honestly it's like low maintenance, just two bottles. And, um, with that, I can have those two bottles and then the two on my bike and I have just as much water as I was carrying a camelback. Right. You know, if not more, I don't know. You, you know what I mean? And, yeah. And, you uh, got plenty though. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it is so nice. Exactly what you said. Just grab the bike and freaking go and everything you have is on there. So like if that stuff was all inside, I feel like putting like the tube and the tire levers, like down in my, my top bottom, like my, my down tube and maybe even my tool. Like it's putting that weight lower and mm-hmm. like in your bike, which is actually going to like actually help it corner better and, and stuff. Yeah. And so, you, you know, like, I mean, it's not like it like dramatically different, but. Well, it's I not going to make it worse. Right. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's a better place to have the weight is what I'm getting right. at, you know? And, um, to be able to just forget about it, that would be rad. That would be really rad. And not have to see it, you know? Right. Like, yeah, the tube strap kind of looks like makes you look enduro cool, you know, on Instagram. But if well, I didn't the, have to have it on there, I would be I would much rather not have it on there. The not seeing it is uh is so true. So I'm I'm pretty vain when I take photos of my bikes out on the trail or whatever. Uh most of the time I'll pull the garment off, I'll pull the saddle bag or the frame bag, whatever yeah, I yeah. put on there. And I literally will strip a bike in the middle of the trail just to take a stupid photo of, yeah. and then put stuff back on. Oh, and now, and now that's totally gone. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm way too lazy for that. What do yeah. you think about the, um, this I think is sexy as hell. The yeah. new ones, I think Scott, oh, by the way, before I forget, somebody in the comments said that the, the Rayon, the, or, the Rayon, Rayon, the Orbea, yeah. R-A-L-L-O-N. I think they say it funny though. Isn't it like, don't they say like Rayun or something like that? I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, it does. Like, I, I, it's like one of those elitist names. You know, if I say Rowland, people are going to be like, no, 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 no. So anyways, they, they said the Orbea does have the storage box. Yeah. But I, I but, hope it's something they add to more things. Yeah. I feel like a hundred percent, especially like on like road bikes, gravel bikes, you know, like right. why have this stupid little bag back there, you know? And those things are like, like your road to. All right. So, and... so I feel differently about that. So oh. uh, I, I, I have a, um, uh, a double standard here on road bikes. It's stupid. <laughs> so, so here, here's a couple of reasons. Like 
if if you take the the frame door and all the subsequent hardware and you pull it off of like one of these uh, these new Trek Domani uh, road bikes, a, uh-huh. a great endurance road bike, does a whole bunch of things. Um, I'd have to look back on on one of my videos, but I broke down where the weight came from because that bike is kind of heavy. It's a little heavy by road bike standards. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, Spanish, not elitist. That's pretty good. It's <laughs> not elitist uh, to me, man. <laughs> but but any, anyways, uh, it, it added something like, uh, I'm making this up right now, but 240 grams or something to the frame weight, which oh, wow. do- doesn't sound like a lot, but 455 grams in a pound. So a little more than half Before a pound. Weight, we need, that's a lot. Right? Well, well, where it's really a lot is if you if you think about that, Right. So you're adding 250 grams. A, a saddlebag is 90 grams, maybe. Uh-huh. So so what you're doing is you're really affecting over 10 percent of the weight of that frame by putting a stupid little door. Yeah. Um, now, this is different on a mountain bike because you have a dropper post. Right. You don't have that capability. You you also do want the weight lower and, and maybe you do on a road bike. Yeah. But uh, I, I don't know. I've got a little bit of a double standard there. Uh, and truth be told, I don't own a road bike with that storage thing, so it could uh-huh. easily change when I do buy one. That yeah, has a storage yeah, we'll have to see, man. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'm, have I'm to uh, do a retraction. I'm intrigued, man. I I want yeah. my road bike or my gravel bike just to look freaking sexy, and yeah, I don't feel like it looks sexy with that bag on it. You know what right. I mean? Like I just want that thing just to look like, hey, just grab it and go, man. You yeah. know? <laughs> so. I don't know. Well, we'll see. The road bike, you can also throw stuff in your jersey. Yeah. I've got uh, you know, one uh SRAM used to used to sell this neoprene bag. It was almost uh almost like the thick material you'd get on a wetsuit, uh-huh. but it was just enough space to throw in a uh, a tube, uh, a thing of patches, two CO2s, your CO2 head, one lever, and a tiny multi-tool, and it goes uh-huh. together and it's smaller than your cell phone's outline, but you know, maybe three yeah, I think I know what stick. product you're talking about. I and remember. it would just drop into my, my Jersey. And, and when SRAM discontinued that, uh, I bought like a dozen of them and uh, I'm going to be so sad when the last one finally tears through because uh-huh. I do get worn out, but that little thing I can grab, it's just a yeah. hunk of stuff, throw yeah. it into the Jersey and it just works. Yeah. I don't wear jerseys. I'm like vehemently against like road gear. <laughs> uh, i like it's being ridiculous. wrapped up like a sausage it's fun. yeah yeah it's ridiculous to me i'm just like i i, I just won't do it but yeah. um i totally understand where you're coming from 100 i did have one of those jerseys at one point that somebody gave me and i remember thinking oh wow these pockets are kind of handy so <laughs> but uh so what i was going to say before yeah, we, got, we got sidetracked was <laughs> the, the the swat box or whatever you want to call it the storage com- compartment is really rad yeah, but tell me, like Scott putting the the rear shock in the frame isn't sexy as hell. It it is. Uh, it is. I feel bad for the mechanic who plans on working on it. Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely <laughs> like like. There's a lot of things that I don't like about it, and that's one of them. Like you can't like easily see the shock or get like even the the Bronson, like the yeah. way that they have it all tucked in there. You can't even see if you're blowing through your suspension or not. Sure. Like you just know by feeling and that's it. You know, like there, there's some things that, yes, I don't like, but man, that bike looks sexy like that. Dude, it does look good. Yeah. I like the yeah. packaging they're doing to that stuff now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm and- wondering how much more of that you see. Cause didn't Trek do something a while ago where 
I want to say it was like they had their shock like built into the frame and the actual like the like the frame was like the pivot point or something like that. Yeah, like the they, they still like do that on their Super Caliber. Yeah. So the, uh, the Super Caliber is their like XC race bike. It's uh, yeah, 100, yeah. 100 mils up front and yeah. it's 60 in the rear. Yeah. And so they, they have a shock uh, that is structurally integrated. And so yeah. the whole swing arm kind of goes through the top tube. Yeah, but yeah. I, I mean, that and the, the way that Scott is doing it and a, a few of the other new ways give that opportunity for the second water bottle. Yeah. which that is just ultimate on a, on an XC bike. Right. I mean, to be able to carry two water bottles is huge. Yeah. 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 I, um, yeah. I mean, even on, on some of the Enduro bikes, you, you can't put them. My Bronson only has one water bottle cage. Yeah. Pretty much all, or, you know, the average full suspension doesn't. Yeah. Cause you need somewhere to put the shock and the linkage and all that, all that junk going on. Yeah. I ended up zip tying one of those, um, one of those uh what's it called the fidlock magnets oh, sure. on my top tube like right next to my seat yeah, click right in yeah so and for the most part because i used to have it like on the bottom on the down tube like because you, you could just put it on down there and what is nice down there but i don't know just like got mud all over it and stuff like that you know it was kind of a pain to get to and that one like right there on the top tube while I'm climbing or whatever, it's super easy just to reach, you know, right between your legs and grab it, take a drink, yeah. put it back. But the downside is the way that the fid lock works, you know, it works by twisting. And sure. when you're, you're straddling your frame, sometimes you'd be like standing on the side of the trail and you're just like, whoop, drop it on the ground. You're like, Oh, I just pushed it off. You know, like well, I haven't had it like fall out because I was like out of the saddle or something like that pedaling. Yeah. But there's been a few times on the trail where I'm like, man, I could, I could see me not paying attention enough to like actually lose my bottle. Yeah. Well, at, at, at the risk of pointing out something obvious, the, uh, the trick with the down tube water bottle or the one that goes underneath uh -huh. is you pour that bottle into your other one. Yeah. Yeah. So you get at one point and you swap them over and it's Yeah. Fine. Yeah. No, I do that. <laughs> I also have this guy, um, sent me some stuff here. I'm going to show it to the people that are. Yeah. Watching. Yeah. Let's check it out. It's, uh, this guy from original free range and yep. he makes a bunch of ne neoprene kind of stuff like what you were talking about but oh cool it's not like a just like cover. a little neoprene lid or cap that you can like just this bottle doesn't have a cap on it but you just slide it right over and then you're not getting mud on your on, on it at all and That's he also makes like a uh like a little pouch this one here is actually on this bottle that'll carry a beer bot like a beer can you can yeah. like zip it to your frame and then he had uh, he had another one too that was a strap. It looks kind of like a tube strap, but you can okay. strap a, an extra bottle to your bike. And that <laughs> I used for a long time until I, I started using the uh, the Fidlock system. And uh, because then you don't have to buy another bottle. Right. Like the Fidlock system sucks because it's like those bottles are like forty bucks or something like that. It's like stupid, you know. And right. honestly, they're not that great of bottles. Like to to be dead honest, they 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 don't have insulation on them or anything. Right. And um, I, I the thing I liked about it too was like the same idea as the Fidlock is when when you don't have the bottle in there, it doesn't look like you have a bottle cage. Right. And with that strap, it was the same thing. It was like I didn't have if I didn't when I was not using the strap, I just didn't have it on the bike. Mm -hmm. You know. 
So that was kind of, I, I really like that. Actually, I'm going to start using that thing again. I forgot all about it. <laughs> Rekindling a romance with it. <laughs> yeah, I am. Because man, I, 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 I don't like the way, because the way I have that Fidlock magnet on my top tube, I bought some like, um, either way it's on there with, with zip ties, right? It just right. doesn't look good. Yeah, you know, sure. like it just looks dumb, dude. It looks like, I mean, it looks like, it looks like it's serving a purpose and it's doing it well, but it doesn't make the bike look sexy on Instagram. Sure. You know what I mean? Which honestly is half of the reason we're doing it. Right. Exactly. Have a nice looking bike. Some, something to get you excited when you see it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. totally. Oh man, I'm taking that damn thing off tonight, man. That's it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Have you had anything fail on you lately? Oh, that's a, uh, that's a good question. I, you know, I don't think so. The most, uh, hmm. I'll tell a story while you think about it. Yeah, please. Today, uh, like I told you, the lady was, um, she was doing some shuttle runs for me while, while we, after we walked the dog Yeah. and, uh, coming down this trail, I'm freaking hauling balls. And it's one of those runs where you're like, dude, this is a PR run. Like, you know, like the, like the flat pedaly spots where you come through and you're just out of the saddle and you're like, oh, I'm laying it down. Yep. This is awesome. And I got to about the last hundred yards of the trail and I pulled my brakes and all of a sudden it was like, it made that noise where I'm like, one of two things just happened. My brake pads are completely gone or this rotor just like fell apart. You, you know what I mean? Cause like, that was like definitely metal to metal. And I'm like, so I pulled it and I'm like, okay, well, it was kind of like a little pedally section right there. And I was like, yeah. okay, well, even if it's metal to metal, I'm feeling this run right now. And I know metal to metal will still like work ish. Yeah, so I'm just going to keep <laughs> giving it, you know? So I came through the pedally spot and I went down to the next, the next downhill little like whoop de whoop. And I pulled the brake again. And it was this time it just went straight to the bar and it was like, oh mm. yeah, it's gone, dude. <laughs> you know? And uh, holy shit, there is definitely a moment when you have no brakes and you're like, oh my God, this is really bad. Oh, so, man. I haven't had a chance to take them apart yet. I don't even know if it was like the brake. It's like, I'm pretty sure I probably ran out of pad. You know what right. I mean? Like where I haven't been checking it, long, you know? Well, that that's what I'm sense. guessing. But when I looked, I, I just took a glimpse at the bike right before we started. And it looks like there's mineral oil all over the brake. So I'm Ooh. wondering if the like caliper failed or something. I don't know. Yeah, one I'm of the like, seals around the piston. Yeah. What, uh, what brakes are they? They're saints. So it's not like they're shitty brakes, you know. Like, yeah, well, the the uh the saints use a ceramic piston, right? Yeah. There's a chance that could have cracked. Yeah. Maybe maybe you've been hauling too much ass. Yeah, well, there's a good chance of that, or it's just stopping like a big fat dude way more than what it's engineered for. <laughs> well, <laughs> that happens. One or the other. <laughs> Yeah. So how do you, do you think anything that, that died on you recently? Yeah. So, so I think the only thing that's died somewhat recently, uh, and this was a surprise was the clutch mechanism on an SLX derailleur. Oh. So, yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've seen them get sticky and you do service yeah. on them occasionally and stuff like that, but one actually killed a ride last summer because, uh, what, what would end up happening is, um, uh, I guess it had gotten too rusty from too much water and uh -huh. me maybe not cleaning it out like I should have, but the, the band that goes around the barrel uh, that rotates on, on the B knuckle there, um, that knuckle had gotten rusted over. And so the barrel object that goes on top 
mm -hmm. uh, was not rotating freely. There's some roller bearings inside of it. Yeah, and yeah. when the band tightens up, when you turn the clutch on, it pushes those roller bearings in and kind of creates a one-way roll that it can do. Yeah. And that's essentially how they work. And so, so anyways, I was out on a ride and I, I was hearing a ton of chain slap and you just don't get that on a modern drivetrain. They're all quiet yeah. now and didn't think much of it until I went down and I dropped the chain, which is the first time I've done that in a long time. I mean, they yeah. just stay on now. And, uh, and so anyways, the, the derailleur was totally kicked out um and just stuck and so what was happening was when i was advancing up the cassette mm. uh the cage would start to lengthen out right right and then when you would go back down on the gears uh the cage wouldn't return so you'd lose right. tension on on the chain and that oh, wow. that ended up being pretty crappy i was at uh Lemonster state forest which is a ways from my house but it's also one of these places where there's not really an easy way to get back um, and so ended up having to select the gear and kind of shove the, uh, the you know, the, uh, uh cage of the derailleur back yeah. into place. Um, oh, but it, it made for a good video. The first time I've had to like sand down a, uh, you know, uh, that post that comes off of the knuckle to like get yeah. it clean enough for it to work again. You but, know, uh, I had a derailleur not too long ago where it just kind of like, I just, I don't know. I didn't know how there I like even after listening to you, I kind of like was like, eh, I just saw like math signs coming out of the screen. <laughs> there you <laughs> like, go. Don't really know how they work, but I, I just assumed that there was some kind of spring in there or something like that. And I had a derailleur that it, like it wasn't it wasn't keeping tension anymore. Yeah. And, but it was on a bike that had a lot of miles on it. I just assumed like okay with derailleur shot. So I didn't so, even think about like trying I'm, to. I'm I'm running on a couple of bikes. The new micro shift uh advent x stuff they're uh -huh. like their play at a day or level kind of drivetrain uh -huh. and when you say springs so, so the way sram and the shimano ones work they're they're not springs but yeah. what's really neat is the micro shift is it's like literally a tiny hub inside of that knuckle um, oh, wow. when you push them forward they've got springs and pawls just oh, like okay. a hub does and yeah. it, it legit ratchets and so oh, when you wow. move it back and forth, it click, click, click as it goes forward. And then yeah. when you let go, because it's in place, then the uh, the friction on yeah. that barrel then rotates back. And huh. it's actually a really cool mechanism. Yeah, I was just I'm thinking like, that's like a, a pretty ingenious design, to tell you the truth. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I got to imagine it's it's pretty durable. The, the Shimano ones, um, they need service and you buy new bands and barrels and you, yeah. you should replace those occasionally. And the SRAM ones basically just break, and then you yeah. buy a new derailleur. The one they have a longer maintenance SRAM. schedule, but uh, yeah, yeah that, that micro shift is kind of a neat design. I, I'm actually yeah. really surprised at some of the stuff they're putting out now. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised nobody else has gone for the, uh, the wireless dropper. Yeah. I'm really surprised that there's not somebody else doing that. Uh, like, does Magora do that? I thought I there was know. another. Maybe is I'm there wrong. I feel like I really want a wireless dropper, but SRAM doesn't make it. Yeah, 200. the Viron, Viron Elect. Oh. Well, anyways, yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. You got the website out. Do they make it 200? <laughs> Let me take a look. If they, if they got, if they make it 200. Ah, uh, 150, 125, and yeah. 100. Lame. 
Yeah, XE bikes. Yeah, I wanted 200. I think SRAM's biggest is like 170 or something like that. But like, I feel like Fox has got to have like something up their sleeve. I mean, I, I can understand it's like it's like an R&D like cost thing, you know? So like who else is going to be able to go neck and neck with, with SRAM? It's got to be Fox, right? Yeah, well, maybe, maybe Fox, that's the next thing Fox on. I don't 200 regular either, though. Yeah. I think their transfer of the biggest is like a 175 or something like that. Like, I guess I'll ask you this. Like, what makes you feel like you need 200? Oh, God. I'm tall, dude. Yeah, well. <laughs> Right, but I don't know. I, uh, not being as tall as you, like I, I can fit a 170 in some of the bikes I have. Uh -huh. um, but I've always chose to go back to 150s, simply Why? because I, well, because I feel like the dropper gets out of the way enough, but it's still no. close enough to my knees that I can drive the way the bike's going uh, through my legs. And so all the droppers that I like, most of my bikes, I can add that extra amount and get uh -huh. the post further in. Uh -huh. um, but I've never felt like I needed it. I want it out. of. I want my drop. I want to push the button and the dropper folds up like inspector gadget and goes yeah, into disappears. the frame. Yes. No more C post. No more. And, yeah. and the funny thing is, is like the first time I, my very first dropper, I think was like a 100 or a 125. And I remember feeling like, where the hell did the seat go? Like, yeah. it was like, it scared me. Like, cause I would use that as like an extra, like, point of like like another touch point or something you yep. know you know, like you'd pinch it a little bit or like that's kind of how you help control your bike but as i rode with the dropper more i want it like gone like i don't want my shorts to be anywhere close to being possibly getting like hung on it or right. like and and i'll say i have a 210 on the tall boy and i've contemplated going back to a 200 just because when I have it dropped down all the way and I'm wearing a fanny pack or that, that, that hip pack that I wear, I actually have to like lean forward a little bit when I drop it all the way. So I don't drive my, don't my hip it. pack on the tire, Yeah, right. but I still like as low as it is. And whenever I'm not wearing the hip pack, then it's not a problem. Right. I just like, I like that seat to be as gone as it possibly can. And hmm. a 170 is still like gets in my way that that's the best way that i can explain it. it's like not like dramatically but right. it gets in my way so well, that's that's fair i i just wonder know. what their like distribution curve is and maybe that's why not too many people are making it you know the yeah, one -ups sure and the pnws of the world they're figuring out how to capitalize yeah i mean one up just brought out a 240 which is yeah, like i know insane yeah. but I, I i get that though for the guys that are like somebody has to make a dropper for the people that are like six, six. Yeah. You know, ride in an extra large frame. Like most, most bike companies don't make an XXL. I think right. Santa Cruz does. I'm there's a few that probably others yeah, that do, do, but not many. So like when you're a really tall person, like a 170, let's just let, I mean, most bikes come with a 150. Like you yeah. could have that 150, like up as high as it goes yeah. at the minimum insertion point, And it's still right. not tall enough. Right. And then like when you're dropping it, like, is it really like it, like, is, is it not out? It's not really all the way. It's like still like at like full, like power band height for like everybody else. You, right. you know what I mean? Like, I would imagine you're like probably hitting your chest on it or something, you know, like, 
like uh you know what i'm saying like like it's getting in your in your, the way of your body elsewise or elsewhere I, I had a 30 millimeter dropper post on a gravel bike uh -huh. and that was the greatest exercise in uselessness because mm -hmm. 30 millimeters is not actually enough to get behind the bike oh, and yeah. it was just enough to have like one more thing on your handlebar and like yeah. just one more thing going on yeah and uh yeah I, I could see that if you're really tall that you know not yeah. being able to get that all out out of the way would be a problem i want to build a new gravel bike and i, I really want um i've heard that you can use the the front derailleur shifter to to actuate your your dropper yeah, yeah for and sure. um i want to i want to build one like that or or like like following up to that why has there not been a company like they just like brought it out that way yeah like it's specifically for that you know what i mean like here, drop your dropper right there. It's not mm -hmm. like gravel bikes are um, not, you know, highly being used all over the place. Right. I don't know. Does it make, make sense to have your dropper button on a gravel bike up on the top of the drop bars? Well, probably not. I mean, yeah. if, if you're going through something technical, wouldn't you think your hands would be near where the brakes your are? Brakes. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think you're onto something. I, I mean, I've seen a bunch of brands make these little band ones. That kind of go just below where the the, uh, the lever clamp is, and uh -huh. so you can push on that. But uh, uh, yeah, you might as well have it in the shifter. Yeah, well, and like so many like gravel bikes are like like they're going one by two, you know. And so, right. at least where I live, we don't have a lot of hills, and I I have a two by on my gravel bike. I'm pretty much never use the other. Like the only time I use my smaller cog is when my legs are like dusted and I actually like accidentally shifted down to it and didn't realize it, you know, but, um, maybe that's just me. You know, I, I don't ride a lot of Hills. We ride a lot, like right here in Sacramento where I live is pretty flat. So, um, maybe, maybe I would use the, the gears more if I actually used it more for what it's used for. But most of the time, like even when I've ridden in on some like light trail stuff that we have around, I, I usually don't drop into the other gear. It's just get out of the saddle and hammer up some hill. And you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. yeah. On, on a gravel bike, it makes little sense to have the two by. Yeah. Although, it, you know, the only time that, at least in my experience, that you really notice it is when you're riding with somebody who does have a two by. Yeah. And like if you're riding with them and you've got this section of road or whatever, what yeah. ends up happening is they can get that half gear in between that is just oh, nice. too hard or too easy for you. Yeah. Right. And then you get, get out there, but yeah. otherwise, I mean, never notice it. In the last yeah. couple of gravel bikes I've built, I've done the one by mostly just for the chain ring clearance. Yeah. That big ring just gets destroyed when you're kind of trying to hop over a log or whatever that's out on, on the trail that you're on. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I yeah. mean, gravel riding around us is really just mountain bike trails yeah <laughs> like yeah. like you find the the most passable trail and right, that's, uh, right. that's what you use um yeah i was out in utah uh this past uh shoot i forget what month but uh in end of last season i i went uh -huh. out for an event and uh, i got to go on this this gravel ride where i borrowed a, a giant uh, revolt gravel bike uh -huh. It's the first time in my life that I've legitimate road gravel. Like uh -huh. it, it was uh, 20 miles or something of nice, packed, beautiful yeah. gravel 
right. through this like valley between two little mountains. And I'm like, holy crap, people who live around this really must enjoy this. Right. right gravel right. bike makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Pre previously, gravel bike was so I felt good about a road ride. Not right. Because exactly. It was actually enjoyable. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of how I use mine. We have this trail next to one of the rivers here in Sacramento that's it's like 35 miles long, but it's paved. Yeah. And um, basically, I, we ride road on that or gravel or whatever. But there's some little like single track offshoots that go next to it and kind of come back. And they're not technical or anything, mm -hmm. but you wouldn't want to do it on a road bike, you know? So it's kind of right. cool to have that little bit of like let's just call it tire suspension for it so but sure dude it's been two hours man i'm freaking super Flew fun by. To you. yeah 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 had, had a great thanks so much for coming and i mean we didn't talk about your channel much but yeah, it was a great, great conversation dude i think we had a good time people understand you got some knowledge some bike knowledge definitely yep. check out his channel yep, I always ask people at the end of the show what YouTube channels they watch, whether it's mountain biking or not, just because it's interesting to like find something new. Maybe you got a basket weaving channel we're going to be in love with or something. <laughs> what do you like to watch? Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's let's start with cycling related. Um, okay. On on the cycling related side, you know, I I watch a channel called uh, Kev Central. It's, uh -huh. a, it's a dude that I think does a real good job of like cheap budget, like yeah. sometimes I 100% stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he does a great job. Um, you know, I, I've recently started following uh, a guy down in Florida called GC Performance. Okay. Um, he's, uh, you know, uh, feels like he might have taken some inspiration from my channel. He's got a similar profile. I don't know if he did, but his is basically what I do, but better and on <laughs> road bikes. Oh, nice. So, so I enjoy watching it because he, he showcases some really cool road bikes. Uh, seem, seems like an interesting fella. And uh, yeah, I don't know how long he's been doing it, but in the last two years, he's just gone from doing okay to like his stuff is really good. So oh, nice. fun, fun to watch if you want to check out, check out some road bikes there. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's the majority of kind of the cycling related. Of course, I, uh -huh. you know, I come across some, you know, other channels, Hardtail Party, yours, things like yeah. that for, for some riding type vlogs. But uh, I'm not, I'm not that big into watching uh, trail videos for whatever yeah. reason. Yeah. So um, yeah, out, outside of that, uh, watch uh, DDE, which is a, uh, daily driven's exotics. It's kind of adult men being hooligans and cars that I wish I could afford, which is yeah, pretty yeah. fun to watch. You know, <laughs> uh, the Doug DeMuro stuff, uh, Stradman, and then, uh, you know, go to sleep, the lock picking lawyer. You throw that oh, on on YouTube, God, I just two minutes and you're out. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I just watched one of his the other day and like the algorithm was like, oh, you like these? Now yeah, I'm like, yeah. that's and all I'm getting on my like, like what it's like recommending for me. I'm like, oh God, I just wanted to watch that one. I don't know what, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's super interesting though. Yeah, yeah for sure. And, and actually you're just making me remember the, the other one that I got into somewhat recently is this guy, Kevin Talbot, who's uh -huh. maybe like the Seth bike hacks of remote control cars. Oh, okay. uh, he he seems to make even the most mundane things entertaining to watch, oh, as, as long as you like watching a lunatic play with toys. It's right, pretty good. Right. Yeah. 
so he's making his he's making his dog an omelet and you're going why did i just watch that yeah exactly <laughs> but i liked it for some reason yeah, it was so fun man right oh, on, dude. Well, like i said a minute ago dude i really appreciate you coming on the show with me that was super rad it's been a good time chatting i had yeah, a great 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 conversation um if you guys have not checked out james the bike guy Go check him out. You can do jamesbikeguy.com or you can just do James the Bike Guy on YouTube or Instagram. You can find them all over the place. So go ahead and yeah. do that. Check them out. It's down there in the show more. If you're on YouTube, you can just click the link. You don't even have to type it in the browser. Imagine that. If you are watching this and you still haven't hit the subscribe or the thumbs up, you're doing it wrong. So do those two things. It really means a lot to me. It helps me keep motivated. I really appreciate it if you would do that i'm just asking it's a simple little task just do that one thing you know the one thing that i said i like all the all the other youtubers do that i can't stand that's what i'm doing right now i'm asking you so to do, do it so he doesn't have to say it again <laughs> exactly make the number grow when i when i see that number going up i'm like super stoked about it anyways um i think next week is going to be i, I hate doing this i usually never do this but i i think i need to start doing this next week is fast co bars they have those handlebars cool. that got like a little like they bend they're like bendy handlebars so those guys are going to be on next week and the week after that i'm going to sedona so probably no show but um stay tuned guys hit the subscribe button i want you guys to remember one thing though it only takes a bike to be a biker get out and be one <laughs> <laughs>